Welcome back to Emmaism, a philosophy podcast for students of philosophy, because that really is what we all are, seekers of knowledge. Happy Friday, guys. It's time to philosophize. This week, I'm going to be rounding out my social contract talks and discuss a critical objection to social contract theory. The objection I'll be discussing today is that from Martha Nussbaum in one of her writings titled Beyond Compassion and Humanity. She's a philosopher concerned with justice for non-human animals and applying her critique of that to social contract theory, then I am concerned with justice for non-rational beings. So let's get into it. I'm going to present what I believe to be Martha Nussbaum's best objection to social contract theory and consider a response on behalf of social contract theorists. Then I'm going to provide a brief summary of the aspects of social contract theory that pertain to Nussbaum's particular objection, and then I'll discuss Nussbaum's main argument. In the spirit of charitability, I'm going to advance a response on behalf of social contract theory after all of that, and finally I'm going to share my opinion on Nussbaum's objection and the contractarian response. More specifically though, I'm going to continue to voice my support for Nussbaum's objection and argue why her objection is so successful against social contract theory. First off, Social contract theory is Kantian in nature. Its foundation relies on the ability of rational agents to make decisions about governing principles of justice in the original position. Therefore, only rational agents are able to participate in the social contract agreement. For Kant, rational agents are self-conscious beings. Elaborated later on, only rational agents can participate in the social contract because only rational agents are capable of the cognitive sophistication that allows them to reflect on their own ends, conception of the good, and therefore on governing principles of justice. When moral duties are ascribed, they are only owed by and owed to consenting parties of the social contract. This is one of the greatest flaws of it. Um, moral agents are individuals who are able to act wrongly and violate their duties. Moral patients are beings who are capable of being wronged and have commitments owed to them, but they don't really owe any commitments to anyone. That, that being said, social contract theory ties moral patients to moral agents by holding that the social contract is an agreement made in the original position by rational agents Only rational agents are capable of acting wrongly and owing commitments to others. That's why they're the ones in the original position. People who do not have the cognitive sophistication to reflect on their own ends are not in the original position. That's just not how it works. Thus, rational agents are the only beings to whom moral duties are owed by and owed to. For social contract theory, the ability to take part in the original position is what grants beings moral status. Now, social contract theory is a competitive theory of justice, but as Nussbaum argues, it doesn't allow for a large enough scope of participants. Moreover, it neglects the duties of moral obligation to non-rational beings, not just non-human animals. Nussbaum's best objection to social contract theory can be constructed in a familiar logical form called modus ponens, which luckily for you, I overviewed my first Emmaism YouTube release, and it's as follows. Premise one, if social contract theory conflates the conditions for moral agency and moral patiency for the inclusion within the social contract, then those who do not meet the criteria for a moral agent but do for a moral patient are excluded from the theory. 
premise two, social contract theory does conflate the conditions for moral agency and moral patiency for inclusion within the social contract. So we conclude that those who do not meet the criteria for a moral agent but do for a moral patient are excluded from the theory. In specifying that those contracting in the original position are capable of sophisticated rational reflection on their ends and establishing principles of justice, and that the capacity for cognitive sophistication is the criteria for ascribing moral status, social contract theory does conflate the conditions for moral agency and moral patiency. My defense of that premise too is as follows. Premise three. If social contract theory does not account for moral obligations to those who are solely moral patients, then social contract theory holds that there are some humans to whom we owe no moral obligation. Premise four, if there are some humans to whom we owe no moral obligation, then social contract theory does not offer an inclusive theory for all of humanity. If social contract theory does not offer an inclusive theory for all of humanity, then social contract theory should be rejected. So we must conclude, if social contract theory does not account for the moral obligation to those who are solely moral patients, then social contract theory should be rejected. And that form was a hypothetical syllogism, for those wondering. But the role of the original position, as the foundation of the social contract theory suggests, signifies the formation of an adherence to a contract. Only rational parties are able to contract in the original position, and only they are ascribed moral status. Hence, only they have the capacity to be wronged. If individuals do not have a moral obligation to a given being, then that given being can't be wronged. Only direct duties to beings create the possibility for that being to be wronged or owed a duty. Indirect duties do not satisfy the problem of it if a being can be wrong since it cannot ascribe an actual moral duty to the being. This is like the main issue with Kantian uh, social contract theory, essentially. Kant says that, you know, if you kick a dog, it's only like the disposition to kick that dog that would indirectly affect humanity. That is the, the morally wrong action. Like the morally wrong action is not in you kicking the dog. It's just in the way that could, you know, impact humanity. So that's essentially what I'm getting at here. If there's, an, there's a non-rational being who is a human, which there exist people with severe mental disability that they cannot reflect on their own ends and achieve cognitive sophistication so they could not be participants in the original position so that they couldn't be contractors in the social contract but these people then do not have a moral duty ascribed to them if we go by social contract theory but yeah my defense of premise three is that those who are moral patients lack the criteria to be a moral agent and consequently don't have any moral obligations owed to them within the scope of social contract theory. Premise four is an extension of premise three and suggests that the successful theories of justice are inclusive of all of humanity. There are individuals who do lack the capacity to be rational agents, like human beings who can be ascribed a as non-rational beings are those who lack the capacities that fit the Kantian notion of rationality. Perhaps they're permanently or temporarily disabled. Nonetheless, they're humans and they're deserving of justice and of living a dignified existence. A dignified existence entails specific moral duties being owed to them, but they absolutely have a moral status ascribed to them and the duties of obligations owed because they are beings deserving of a dignified existence. The social contract theory is not inclusive of that duty. 
proponents, though, of social contract theory have replied to Nussbaum's objection. They believe that they can revise a piece of the original position so that the conditions for moral status are not solely ascribed to moral agents. A reconstruction of this response from social contract theories is presented something like this. Premise 6. If social contract theory allows for benevolence and compassion in the agreements in the original position, then there is a place for moral obligations to moral patients in the social contract theory. Premise 7. Social contract theory indeed allows for benevolence and compassion in the agreements in the original position. So we conclude there is a place for moral obligations to moral patients in social contract theory. To defend social contract theory, a version of the trustee's argument has proposed has been proposed. Um, Nussbaum, in her beyond um, compassion, um, you know, for non-human animals, um, she talks about compassion and says that compassion isn't enough. There has to be some sort of obligation. Acts of compassion are not acts of obligation. And she believes that an act of obligation is the thing that ascribes the um, humanity to a person. If rationality is what ascribes humanity to a person, then I'm not sure that's a pretty good marker because there are some humans in this world that are not capable of rational reflection. But back to the... um, reply from social contract theorists proponents argue that the original position is not just about self-interest there can be acts of benevolence and compassion as suggested in premise seven to strengthen a defense for social contract theory and to elaborate further on premise seven seven a further reconstructed argument elaboration would be something like premise eight if moral agents can act as trustees of moral patients in the original position, then they will ensure a moral obligation to those who have may been considered to be excluded from the scope of social contract theory. So then we have premise nine. If they ensure a moral obligation to those who may have been considered to be excluded from the scope of social contract theory, then social contract theory allows for benevolence and compassion in the original position. So we can conclude that if moral patients can act as trustees of moral patients in the original position, then social contract theory allows for benevolence and compassion in the original position. The trustee's argument allows for individuals in the original position to have further interest in the justice of other beings within their proposed society. If those in the original position act as trustees for other non-rational beings, then premise eight will be satisfied. A trustee's job is to ensure the welfare of those who entrusted their potential of their moral obligation. So if social contract theory allows for trustee relationships and mentality in the original position, then there will be indeed an allowance for benevolence and compassion. So, non-rational moral patients would be granted a moral status under that criteria and would be owed moral duties within the scope of social contract theory. But, I might just put it out there, but a version of the trustee's argument has already been proposed to solve a different social contract theory implication. John Rawls, the founder of social contract theory, um, suggested the just savings caveat to endorse individuals in the original position's ability to include thought for the prosperity of and justice for future generations within the original position. Because the social contract theory was developed as an egalitarian theory, it should theoretically imply equal opportunities for individuals no matter their generation. Egalitarian theories essentially hold that the interests of all are equal, um, though uh, social contract theory is not cohesively egalitarian um, because it like 
says that you should give weight to the least fortunate and, you know, for future generations, the least fortunate would be your present generation because future generations just tend to be better off. But social contract theory seemingly conflicts with the demands of future generations because individuals in the original position are supposed to make decisions based off their self-interest and their perception of who is the worst off in society in regard to, you know, Rawls theories of justice. But given that future generations are better off than past ones generally, it's not intuitive within the constraints of the original position that future generations are given much of or any of the social product redistribution. Thus, this implication of social contract theory is not cohesively egalitarian because why should time matter in a way that space doesn't? It creates a moral illusion of separateness. This is why Rawls developed the just savings caveat. Rawls suggested that individuals in the original position would act as trustees for those in future generations and create principles of justice that are compassionate to those in future generations and you know, almost ensures some of the social product redistribution for them. All beings are deserving of a dignified existence, and protection of that dignified existence cannot be accounted for within the social contract theory framework. Therefore, I must ultimately disagree with the response from social contract theorists to Nussbaum's objection. I believe that social contract theories are trying to amend their theory to give modern societies the answer they desire to difficult moral questions. The trustee's route that social contract theory proposes as a solution to Nussbaum does not maintain the integrity of the original appeal of the original position in the state of nature. In the original position in the state of nature, individuals are supposed to act in ways that are self-interested and acting as trustees on behalf of non-rational agents is not in their self-interest. This is the fundamental problem of social contract theory. It is only about the individual and not about the individual's relationship with others. Additionally, as Nussbaum notes in her writing, Rawls is explicit in excluding non-human animals, a specific type of non-rational being, from the social contract, saying that the contract doctrine cannot be extended to deal with non-human animals in a natural way. Furthermore, in earlier literature, Rawls asserted that being a moral person, you know, like having two moral powers of one, the capacity for a conception of the good, and two, a capacity for a sense of justice, is the criteria to be treated with justice on the basis of equality with others. As established by the vastness of human diversity, those two moral powers are not held by a portion of some human beings. These beings are then excluded from the contract. Rawls argued this himself. There's no way to extend the social contract in a natural way to non-rational beings. Nussbaum objected to social contract theory because she believed that its measures did not allow for moral patients to be ascribed a moral status. This exclusion has devastating implications for non-rational beings. If these individuals are excluded, then it would mean that moral agents could not wrong moral patients. It would mean that justice is confined to the rational realm. Proponents of social contract theory argue that moral agents in the original position would act as trustees to form conceptions of justice on behalf of non-rational beings. I agree with Nussbaum, and I have to, I'm forced to, reject social contract theory. It's wrong to deny moral patience and moral status because it implies that what makes us human is our capacity for cognitive sophistication, and many human beings do not have that capacity. 
If, as social contract theory suggests, rationality is the condition for our humanness and moral status, then wronging that non-rational beings would be morally permissible. If non-rational beings do not have the quality of rationality, then under the social contract, they are not ascribed to moral status. This is because moral status is hung up in the ability to participate in the original position, and non-rational beings cannot do that. Rationality is the quality needed for the capacity to be wronged under social contract theory. It is morally impermissible under social contract theory to wrong those to whom moral duties are owned, which are Kantian rational agents. To me, that possibility negates the premise that social contract theory is a comprehensive egalitarian theory of justice. So I must reject social contract theory. That's all I have for today's episode of Emmaism. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep searching for the truth. Welcome back to Emmaism, a philosophy podcast for students of philosophy, because that really is what we all are, seekers of knowledge. Happy Friday, guys. It's finally time to philosophize again. Today, once again, I'm joined by my mother, Heidi Sonniger Jensen, and we are going to talk about bringing philosophy to the masses and how that can transform the way in which we go about life, connect with others, and stay true to ourselves. She's joining us um, from the phone. You know, She's in Boston, I'm in Philly, so quite a bit of distance, but luckily the phone can get us connected. Um, but I just really want to drive home before I dive into some questions that... The mission of my podcast is, you know, in particular to endure, encourage the practice of philosophy to those who may not have the opportunity to philosophize otherwise. I'm a big proponent of the project of the uh, democratization of philosophy. As a discipline, it doesn't do the most charitable job of expanding its influence, especially in such a pre-professional aiming collegiate experience. What people don't know is that philosophy is one of the most beneficial pre-professional fields of study because it prepares its students with different skills that absolutely go to work in the workforce like you know critical thinking clear argument structure um, on top of that the actual philosophy that's studied encourages good habits development of character and the striving for virtue how can you not justify that these are useful prof- professional development these are the most useful and important skills so bottom line is that I strive to make people who feel traditionally excluded from the practice of philosophical thought included. Accessibility is important, and I just want to bring philosophy to a new audience. So that being said, hi, Mom. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're helping out a busy podcaster this week. Yeah, you have a lot going on, but I'm excited. I'm always happy to talk about philosophy, and I've, I'm a huge fan of yours. You know that. And <laughs> to, yeah, to um, democratize philosophy and to bring it to the masses, because I, I do think people think it's a it's too hard. There's too much going on. They don't really understand it. So um, the more that you can share with people and open their eyes, and um, people will understand it's not something that that you have to commit to or you know enroll in a school and do all sorts of things that you can do a lot of self-study personal work and um and it can be very simple so i'm excited to talk to you about it yeah absolutely so my first question for you is how you've seen philosophy's role in society transform over the past several years if at all or how you've seen its you know scope grow in terms of societal implications okay that's a great question that's going to take like a week to answer but um, (laughs) (laughs) I think um, well the most obvious thing is we're living in a 
um, once in a hundred year pandemic, right? Um, and I believe we've also in a bit of a, it's an understatement to say a toxic political environment. What I'd say is um, what's happened to us is is we've become an either phenomenon is happening. And I don't mean Kierkegaard. I mean that that philosophy can, we've lost the ability to have civilized discourse, to talk about ideas, even if those ideas are different. You know, I have a lot to say about premises um, when we just kind of had a little bit of fun scratching the surface of those, but we're a society that is that is now isolated. Um, hopefully we're, we're gonna start to interact on a human level. We're getting our information culturally out of, um, you know, silos of, of social media and such. So things are, so it, things have changed. Philosophy is always going to, um, you know, it's it, history, as history is unfolding and what's happening in, in a culture, in a society, in the world, you're always going to see the ripple effects of it in philosophy and in thought. And I believe where we are now is a really tough place to be, which is why I'm excited about what you're doing because of this either or phenomenon where, where people that, that think if you don't believe what I'm believing, then you're, you're a bad person and you think the opposite. Mm-hmm. It, so there's a lot of intolerance and anger that come from it. So, um, so the, so the implications from that are really, um, are really not good. And more than we need to be aware of that, and we need to practice um, practice the art of of sharing ideas with each other, listening to each other, and um, your the thing the videos you've offered, the the podcasts that you've had on on different types of of arguments and and um, how to construct things is is very important for helping us do that in a productive manner. So. Oh, thank you. Um, well, you know, about that question, I it's gotten me thinking, um, I've done a few podcasts about this, but this notion of idea camps, of how the absence of philosophy makes you um, outsource your agency and outsource your decision-making capabilities because you don't know how to philosophize. You don't know how to rationally reflect on your own ends because you don't, you're not used to it. So, you know, I think the role of philosophy is really to offer you, you know, freedom, therapy, and cosmological consciousness, as Pierre Hadot yeah. says, you know, it, it is true. I just want to interrupt you when you're saying outsourcing it. That's really what's happening. People, mm-hmm. we need, we've lost so much education-wise over the past two, three years. Um, we need to get people to, to think and to think critically, um, because if you if you're of the camp where you, you outsource your ideas or you, I think you, you did something interesting on repost culture a while back. Um, the unintended concept, it, it, sometimes that's what, what happens is, is a, it could have a good outcome for sure. But at time, that also has the potential to have an unintended consequence, which can have moral implications or bad things can happen. So, for people to be aware of what they're doing, to think things through, to make good choices, and to make choices based on, on um, you know, their the way they are, the information that they're getting to be open to things, but and also sometimes it doesn't you, doesn't mean you're going to end up changing your mind, but you're going to have have a, a, a good practice of how to use your mind, how to 
get information, how to collaborate, how to move things forward. So, so yes, mm-hmm. I, I'm right there with you. All right. Um, so then also my another follow-up question is, how do you think philosophy could help society in navigating troubles? And then, like, what about the individual level? Like, what role does the practice of philosophy promise and play when executed in, with the best intent in mind? I know we just brushed upon that, but I kind of want to hit it on the nose. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah. Um, well, I know you, you love living philosophy and doing philosophy, and I think that right now we're all sort of alienated or we're out of practice with each other. So I think introducing philosophy or getting people to embrace it and know that that it's 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 a part of them and it's a it's a natural thing for a human being to question and to to gain to to look to gain knowledge and we say what are we doing here and and probably um you know when we say okay maybe i believe with philosophy it's the our why we're here we're here to live a good life and then we say okay well what is the meaning of good and and what do you mean by a good life and um, and should our natural state be that we are um, we are living in goodness, abundance, love, you know, except I think philosophy can help us get there. Mm-hmm. It's also good when we're having problems or having difficulties, which everyone has, and, and a lot of people are having a lot of problems now, um, to know philosophically that time, as, as temporal beings in the historical continuum, uh, as you always say, that time it goes a long way to possibilities and that possibilities can help us solve these problems um, and, and really lead to hope. But the important part is, is dialogue. So I think philosophy can help society in navigating troubles by encouraging discussion, listening, you have to be a, be a good listener. You have to be you have to be teachable. You have to have you have to be open. If, if philosophy and talking about it and all the different aspects of it can help us more as a society to say, listen, we are open to learning and for ourselves to be teachable and to be communicate and to be collaborative. Then that's only going to help. Um, with the with the guide that we are here to live a good life, quote unquote. Um, and we are, and maybe you would say the natural state should be one of love. So I'm taking it a little bit further. People might argue all sorts of different things, but that's okay because the dialogue is the important part. And then to get us away from that either or here where someone says, I like this, or I disagree with you. And then they throw you into a bucket and say, oh, then you're one of those, or you're one of that, or you're, that means you're this, or you're terrible without trying to understand or that they jump on the bus of, of whatever everyone is trending on because they're afraid. You know, they, they don't they don't know how to think. So, so I think it's it's only going to help us um, in our ability, maybe ultimately to solve problems and move everyone into toward that natural state of goodness, abundance, love, collaboration, and. Um, you know what what we're here for yeah agreed i also think it's important to note that the you know it's just the pedagogy of philosophy it gives us these moral principles that are like with justification that are meant to be you know lived by so that's another important implication on the individual and societal level of you know philosophy but um that was good 
I, I also want to know what ways do you think philosophy could be shared more effectively with the largest community possible? Do you think that would be like social media, podcasting, YouTube, news outlets? Um, you know, what would a successful philosophical outreach look like to you? Well, I mean, you, you sort of think back to the marketplace of ideas, which I think you're, you know, you, we, we sort of have that today, but kind of have a, like, I want to say like not a great version of that because there these are, you know, the internet or Reddit or YouTube. There's there's just there we're in we are imperfect because we're temporal and because we're we don't have the, you know, we make choices and some choices are bad, some choices are good. So, to if you kind of ex- take that and bring it to a a different level, you know, the 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 place where we would look to. Um, to bring philosophy to the to the masses or in the largest scale is probably not not ideal i would say you know it's going to be fallible whatever you do yeah but you're going to try you're going to try so the important things are the simplicity of of the messaging um i love the i love the 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 technology that's available there and i love the bits of sound bites that um that get people interested and the, and the important thing I would say more than the vehicles, because you certainly have limitless vehicles, is to is for the message to be simple and for it to be accessible and for everyone to know that they can take part in it. That's yeah. the part. So look, it doesn't have to be. Um, I mean, the thing about philosophy is it can it can be tied into many different disciplines. Um, and it's still philosophy, you know, it can be tied to history, it can be tied to mathematics, to science, to morals, to, to, there's so, to business, there's just so much to law, there's, there's so much that can, to language that can come out of it, that, that if maybe a a mission would be to, um, to, to simplify it, and, and invite people in so that they themselves can then take ownership of it and recognize that it is available it is for everyone mm-hmm. and then they can they can take it further further from that it's like it makes me think of you know what you've done in dance you know uh, you studied ballet for many 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 years and um you find at the end that dance belongs to everyone everyone yes. can do it everyone can 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 enjoy it and i think that i would love to see philosophy like that yeah, it, you know, the thing that you said about the sound bites kind of makes me laugh because it's it's always when I, I publish a podcast and I'm like, hey, do you want to know why, like, we love underdogs? Then everyone comes and see. But then I talk about, like, metaphysics and people are like, no, like, no, <laughs> I don't know about that. But, you know, it's all about, like, it being put in, I guess, like, yeah, a dialogue or um or I guess presentation that people are familiar with. People don't really know what metaethics are, or metaphysics, or epistemology, but people do know what, you know, like, I'm just thinking of my old Augustine podcast of like, oh, why do we like underdogs? Uh, what about ice cream after a hot day? Like, you know, things like that, that um, people like to hear about. Um, people want to hear about controversial things. So maybe that's one of the ways we can bring it to people and, you know, have a peaked interest. Um, and okay, two more questions for you. So I want to know, what would you say the goal of the field of philosophy is? Are we supposed to just answer hard questions or 
does the knowledge we gain through the practice of philosophy progress us to lead a more virtuous and great life? And should we ought to do that? Hmm. Well, I think some parts of philosophy should do that and um, or concentrate on that. But again, there's, I think the, the I, I believe maybe the ultimate goal of it is just within your, your temporal um is, is an personal journey within your own temporality to understand why you're here and what your contribution is and um and to have this be a and and to add to the goodness of the world so i guess it's i mean that in itself is a is a philosophical exercise um i think it you know what i would think it would be it's sort of like the uh hippocratic oath you, but kind of my own words to do to first do no harm you know yeah <laughs> Let's just you know make things better mm-hmm. under try to understand things um it's very uh, and maybe even um understand that as we're here and we're slices of temporality overlapping with each other that um we're not going to have all the answers and and this this awareness of the hubris that so many people commit on a daily basis i'm sure myself included <laughs> you know just to be a, a you know maybe cautious of that but to to try to to do good to do good in the world so. mm-hmm. that makes sense um and I, I agree as well all right last question um what is a way that we can empower individuals to bring the philosophy that they've learned to their community so that you know then we'd probably just be in a better situation for society because I'm, I'm, I guess I'm assuming a priori assumption that knowledge is good and progresses society. But yeah, I just want to hear about that. Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, well, I think education has to be a priority. Um, I think people knowing that philosophy is attainable and that it's not something you like. We're not people are just sort of getting or masses of people are just sort of getting used to meditating or thinking about the benefits of that. Wouldn't it be great if there was, you know, along with the Calm app, there was the philosophy app. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, and people practice, did a little critical thinking exercises or broad, learned new terms or new ways of, of, of discussing things or new ways of, of arguments. And, um, just ways to just continually improve your mind. I, I don't even know the statistic, but I remember hearing something. We, we don't use a lot of our mind. Um, Absolutely. And we also probably don't use a lot of our day in a productive way. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, we're so distracted. Um, so I, somewhere maybe along the lines of mindfulness and, and, opening people up and, and letting them feel feel comfortable and excited to to engage in philosophy knowing that this philosophy has a very broad umbrella of activities that come under it and it and it should be fun and it should have a, a good aim aim to it so i would say creating dialogue around it interest introducing new concepts it has to be related to to the schools it should it should be it should be taught because it's um you know it's it's a wonderful it exercises a a great part of the brain yeah i i love that 
you know, I, I also, I think we should be bringing philosophy to second graders, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, you know, I think work. that we should be teaching yes. these like, you know, thought about like, you know, yeah. Cognitive sophistication, looking at our own ends, what is true, things like that. And starting that from a very young age, because, um, it seems that you're almost too late in the game when people actually start employing that in schools, like later in high school or when you just start college. People are like, oh, it's too late in the game. Can't get in it. I can't really get into philosophy because I don't really know how to do it. And, you know, it's just intimidating. But, yeah, I I agree. Yes, if it's sort of broken down and they understand all the wonderful parts that that fall, fall under philosophy and that, you know, the most important thing is that we're open to the first level of philosophy, which is your your thinking, and then you're talking, you're sharing, and and you're listening. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's 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 all you know, it's all good good things. Yes. All right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Mom. Oh, my pleasure. I hope you have a great rest of the day i know you're so busy so but but again as busy as you are you make time to put philosophy into your day and that is a cool thing and these weekly uh reminders are really helpful they're really helpful to me and i appreciate it so thank you thank you and uh that's all i have for today's episode of emmaism thank you for listening and until next time keep searching for the truth welcome back to emmaism a philosophy podcast for students of philosophy because that really is what we all are, seekers of knowledge. Happy Friday, guys. It's finally time to philosophize again. Today, once again, I'm joined by my mother, Heidi Sonniger Jensen, and we are going to talk about bringing philosophy to the masses and how that can transform the way in which we go about life, connect with others, and stay true to ourselves. She's joining us um, from the phone. You know, She's in Boston, I'm in Philly, so quite a bit of distance, but luckily the phone can get us connected. Um, but I just really want to drive home before I dive into some questions that the mission of my podcast is, you know, in particular to enjoy, encourage the practice of philosophy to those who may not have the opportunity to philosophize otherwise. I'm a big proponent of the project of the uh, democratization of philosophy. As a discipline, it doesn't do the most charitable job of expanding its influence, especially in such a pre-professional aiming collegiate experience. What people don't know is that philosophy is one of the most beneficial pre-professional fields of study because it prepares its students with different skills that absolutely go to work in the workforce, like, you know, critical thinking, clear argument structure. Um, On top of that, the actual philosophy that's studied encourages good habits, development of character, and the striving for virtue. How can you not justify that these are useful professional development? These are the most useful and important skills. So bottom line is that I strive to make people who feel traditionally excluded from the practice of philosophical thought included. Accessibility is important, and I just want to bring philosophy to a new audience. So that being said, hi, Mom. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're helping out a busy podcaster this week. Yeah, you have a lot going on, but I'm excited. I'm always happy to talk about philosophy, and I've, I'm a huge fan of yours. You know that, and you're <laughs> to yeah to um, democratize philosophy and to bring it to the masses because I, I do think people think it's a it's too hard. There's too much going on. They don't really understand it, 
So um, the more that you can share with people and open their eyes and um, people will understand it's not something that that you have to commit to or, you know, enroll in a school and do all sorts of things that you can do a lot of self-study, personal work, and, um, and it can be very simple. So I'm excited to talk to you about it. Yeah, absolutely. So my first question for you is how you've seen philosophy's role in society transform over the past several years, if at all, or how you've seen its, you know, scope grow in terms of societal implications? Okay, that's a great question. That's going to take like a week to answer. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I think, um, well, the most obvious thing is we're living in a um, once in a hundred year pandemic, right? Um, and I believe we've also in a bit of a, to, it's an understatement to say a toxic political environment. What I'd say is um, what's happened to us is is we've become an either phenomenon is happening. And I don't mean Kierkegaard. I mean that, that philosophy can, we've lost the ability to have civilized discourse, to talk about ideas, even if those ideas are different. You know, I have a lot to say about premises um, when we just kind of had a little bit of fun scratching the surface of those. But we're a society that is that is now isolated. Um, hopefully, we're we're going to start to interact at a human level. We're getting our information culturally out of. Um, you know, silos of, of social media and such. So things are, so it, things have changed. Philosophy and is always going to, um, you know, it's it, history as history is unfolding and what's happening in, in a culture, in a society, in the world, you're always going to see the ripple effects of it in philosophy and in thought. And I believe where we are now is a really tough place to be, which is why I'm excited about what you're doing because of this either or phenomenon where, where people that, that think if you don't believe what I'm believing, then you're, you're a bad person and you think the opposite. Mm-hmm. It, so there's a lot of intolerance and anger that come from it. So, um, so the, so the implications from that are really, um, are really not good. And more than we need to be aware of that, and we need to practice um, practice the art of of sharing ideas with each other, listening to each other, and um, your the thing the videos you've offered, the the podcasts that you've had on on different types of of arguments and and um, how to construct things is is very important for helping us do that in a productive manner. Oh, thank you. Um, well, you know, about that question, I it's gotten me thinking, um, I've done a few podcasts about this, but this notion of idea camps, of how the absence of philosophy makes you um, outsource your agency and outsource your decision-making capabilities because you don't know how to philosophize. You don't know how to rationally reflect on your own ends because you don't, you're not used to it. So, you know, I think the role of philosophy is really to offer you, you know, freedom, therapy, and cosmological consciousness, as Pierre Hadot yeah. says, you know, and it is true. I just want to interrupt you when you're saying outsourcing it. That's really what's happening. People, mm-hmm. we need, we've lost so much education-wise over the past two, three years. Um, we need to get people to, to think and to think critically. Um, because if you, 
if you're of the camp where you you outsource your ideas or you i think you, you did something interesting on repost culture a while back um the unintended concept it, it, sometimes that's what what happens is is a it could have a good outcome for sure but at time that also has the potential to have an unintended consequence which can have moral implications or bad things can happen so for people to be aware of what they're doing to think things through to make good choices and to make choices based on on um you know their the way they are the information that they're getting to be open to things but can also sometimes it doesn't you doesn't mean you're going to end up changing your mind but you're going to have have a, a, a good practice of how to use your mind how to get information how to collaborate how to move things forward so so yes, that, mm-hmm. I, I'm right there with you. All right. Um, so then, also, my another follow-up question is: How do you think philosophy could help society in navigating troubles? And then, like, what about the individual level? Like, what role does the practice of philosophy promise and play when executed in, with the best intent in mind? I know we just brushed upon that, but I kind of want to hit it on the nose. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah. Um, well, I know you you love living philosophy and doing philosophy and i think that right now we're all sort of alienated or we're out of practice with each other so i think introducing philosophy or getting people to embrace it and know that that it's 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 a part of them and it's a it's a natural thing for a human being to question and to to gain to to look to gain knowledge and we say what are we doing here and and probably um you know when we say okay maybe i believe with philosophy it's the our, why we're here we're here to live a good life and then we say okay well what is the meaning of good and and what do you mean by a good life and um and should our natural state be that we are um we are living in goodness abundance love you know except i think philosophy can help us get there mm-hmm. it's also good when we're having problems or having difficulties which everyone has and, and a lot of people are having a lot of problems now um to know philosophically that time as as temporal beings in the historical continuum uh, as you always say that time it goes a long way to possibilities and that possibilities can help us solve these problems um and and really lead to hope but the important part is is dialogue. So I think philosophy can help society in navigating troubles by encouraging discussion, listening. You have to be be a good listener. You have to be you have to be teachable. You have to have you have to be open. If, if philosophy and talking about it and all the different aspects of it can help us more as a society to say listen, we are open to learning and for ourselves to be teachable and to be communicate and to be collaborative then that's only going to help um with the with the guide that we are here to live a good life quote unquote um and we are and maybe you would say the natural state should be one of love so i'm taking it a little bit further people might argue all sorts of different things but that's okay because the dialogue is the important part and then to get us away from that either or for here where someone says i like this or i disagree with you and then they throw you into a bucket and say 
oh, then you're one of those or you're one of that or you're, that means you're this or you're terrible without trying to understand or that they jump on the bus of, of whatever everyone is trending on because they're afraid, you know, they, they, don't, they don't know how to think. So, so I think it's, it's only going to help us um, in our ability maybe ultimately to solve problems and move everyone into toward that natural state of goodness abundance love collaboration and um you know what what we're here for yeah agreed i also think it's important to note that the you know it's just the pedagogy of philosophy it gives us these moral principles that are like with justification that are meant to be you know lived by so that's another important implication on the individual and societal level of you know philosophy but um that was good i i also want to know what ways do you think philosophy could be shared more effectively with the largest community possible do you think that would be like social media podcasting youtube news outlets um you know what would a successful philosophical outreach look like to you well I mean, you, you sort of think back to the marketplace of ideas, which I think you're, you know, you, we, we sort of have that today, but kind of have a, like, I want to say, like, not a great version of that, because there, these are, you know, the internet or Reddit or YouTube, there's, there's just, there, we're in, we are imperfect, because we're temporal. And because we're, we don't have the, you know, we make choices and some choices are bad. Some choices are good. So to, if you kind of ex- take that and bring it to a, a different level, you know, the, the, the place where we would look to, um, to bring philosophy to the, to the masses or, or in the largest scale is probably not, not ideal. I would say, you know, it's going to be fallible, whatever you do, yeah. but you're going to try. You're going mm-hmm. to try. So the important things are the simplicity of of the messaging. Um, I love the I love the, the 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 technology that's available there, and I love the bits of sound bites that um, that get people interested. And the and the important thing I would say more than the vehicles, because you certainly have limitless vehicles, is to is for the message to be simple and for it to be accessible and for everyone to know that they can take part in it that's the part so it doesn't have to be um i mean the thing about philosophy is it can it can be tied into many different disciplines um and it's still philosophy you know it can be tied to history it can be tied to mathematics to science to morals to to there's so to business there's just so much to law there's there's so much that can to language that can come out of it that that if maybe a, a mission would be to um to to simplify it and and invite people in so that they themselves can then take ownership of it and recognize that it is available it is for everyone Mm -hmm. and then they can they can take it further further from that it's like it makes me think of you know what you've done in dance you know uh, you studied ballet for many 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 years and um you find at the end that dance belongs to everyone everyone can do it everyone can 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 enjoy it and i think that i would love to see philosophy like that yeah you know the thing that you said about the sound bites kind of makes me laugh because it's it's always when i i publish a podcast and i'm like hey do you want to know why like 
we love underdogs, then everyone comes to see. But then I talk about like metaphysics and people are like, no, like, no, <laughs> I don't know about that. But you know, it's all about like it being put in, I guess, like, yeah, a dialogue or, um, or I guess presentation that people are familiar with. People don't really know what metaethics are or metaphysics or epistemology, but people do know what, you know, like, I'm just thinking of my old Augustine podcast of, like, oh, why do we like underdogs? Uh, what about ice cream after a hot day? Like, you know, things like that that um, people like to hear about. Um, people want to hear about controversial things. So maybe that's one of the ways we can bring it to people and, you know, have a peaked interest. Um, and, okay, two more questions for you. So I want to know, what would you say the goal of the field of philosophy is? Are we supposed to just answer hard questions or does the knowledge we gain through the practice of philosophy progress us to lead a more virtuous and great life and should we ought to do that Mm. well i think some parts of philosophy should do that and um or concentrate on that but again there's i think the the I I believe maybe the ultimate goal of it is just within your your temporal um your is is an in- personal journey within your own temporality to understand why you're here and what your contribution is and um and to have this be a and and to add to the goodness of the world so i guess it's i mean that in itself is a is a philosophical exercise um i think it you know what i would think it would be it's sort of like the uh hippocratic oath you but kind of my own words to do to first do no harm you know yeah (laughs) just you know make things better Mm -hmm. under try to understand things um it's very uh, and maybe even um understand that as we're here and we're slices of temporality overlapping with each other that um we're not going to have all the answers and and this this awareness of the hubris that so many people commit on a daily basis i'm sure myself included (laughs) you know just to be a, a you know maybe cautious of that but to to try to to do good to do good in the world so. mm-hmm. that makes sense um and I, I agree as well all right last question um what is a way that we can empower individuals to bring the philosophy that they've learned to their communities so that you know then we'd probably just be in a better situation for society because i'm i'm i guess i'm assuming a priori assumption that knowledge is good and progresses society but yeah i just want to hear about that Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, well, I think education has to be a priority. Um, I think people knowing that philosophy is attainable and that it's not something you like. We're not people are just sort of getting, or masses of people are just sort of getting used to meditating or thinking about the benefits of that. Wouldn't it be great if there was, you know, along with the Calm app, there was the philosophy app. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when people practice their little critical thinking exercises or broad learn new terms or new ways of of discussing things or new ways of of arguments and um, just ways to just continually improve your mind. I, I don't even know the statistic, but I remember hearing something. We, we don't use a lot of our mind. Um, Absolutely. And we also 
probably don't use a lot of our day in a productive way. I mm-hmm. mean, it's we're so distracted. Um, so I, somewhere maybe along the lines of mindfulness and and opening people up and, and letting them feel feel comfortable and excited to to engage in philosophy, knowing that this philosophy has a very broad umbrella of activities that come under it and it and it should be fun and it should have a, a good aim aim to it. So I would say creating dialogue around it, interest, introducing new concepts. It has to be related to, to the schools. It should it should be it should be taught because it, it's um you know it's it's a wonderful it exercises a, a great part of the brain yeah I I love that you know I I also I think we should be bringing philosophy to second graders (laughs) but you know I you know I think that we should be teaching these like you know thought about like you know yeah cognitive sophistication looking at our own ends what is true things like that and starting that from a very young age because um it seems that you're almost too late in the game when people actually start employing that in schools like later in high school or when you just start college people are like oh it's too late in the game can't get in it I can't really get into philosophy because I don't really know how to do it and you know it's just intimidating but yeah I I agree yes if it's sort of broken down and they understand all the wonderful parts that that fall fall under philosophy and that you know the most important thing is that we're open to the first level of philosophy, which is your your thinking, and then your talking, your sharing, and and your listening. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's 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 all you know, it's all good good things. Yes. All right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Mom. Oh, my pleasure. I hope you have a great rest of the day. I know you're so busy. So, but <laughs> but again, as busy as you are, you make time to put philosophy into your day and that is a cool thing. And these weekly uh reminders are really helpful. They're really helpful to me and I appreciate it. So, thank you. Oh, thank you. And uh that's all I have for today's episode of Emmaism. Thank you for listening and until next time, keep searching for the truth. Welcome back to Emmaism, a philosophy podcast for students of philosophy because that really is what we all are, seekers of knowledge. Happy Friday, guys. It's finally time to philosophize again. Today, once again, I'm joined by my mother, Heidi Sonniger Jensen, and we are going to talk about bringing philosophy to the masses and how that can transform the way in which we go about life, connect with others, and stay true to ourselves. She's joining us um, from the phone. You know, She's in Boston, I'm in Philly, so quite a bit of distance, but luckily the phone can get us connected. Um, but I just really want to drive home before I dive into some questions that the mission of my podcast is, you know, in particular to enjoy, encourage the practice of philosophy to those who may not have the opportunity to philosophize otherwise. I'm a big proponent of the project of the uh, democratization of philosophy. As a discipline, it doesn't do the most charitable job of expanding its influence, especially in such a pre-professional aiming collegiate experience. What people don't know is that philosophy is one of the most beneficial pre-professional fields of study because it prepares its students with different skills that absolutely go to work in the workforce, like you know, critical thinking, clear argument structure. Um, on top of that, the actual philosophy that's studied encourages 
good habits, development of character, and the striving for virtue. How can you not justify that these are useful professional development? These are the most useful and important skills. So bottom line is that I strive to make people who feel traditionally excluded from the practice of philosophical thought included. Accessibility is important, and I just want to bring philosophy to a new audience. So that being said, hi, Mom. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're helping out a busy podcaster this week. Yeah, you have a lot going on, but I'm excited. I'm always happy to talk about philosophy, and I've, I'm a huge fan of yours. You know that. And you're here to, yeah, to um, democratize philosophy and to bring it to the masses because I, I do think people think it's, a, it's too hard. There's too much going on. They don't really understand it. So um, the more that you can share with people and open their eyes and um, people will understand it's not something that that you have to commit to or, you know, enroll in a school and do all sorts of things that you can do a lot of self-study, personal work, and, um, and it can be very simple. So I'm excited to talk to you about it. Yeah, absolutely. So my first question for you is how you've seen philosophy's role in society transform over the past several years, if at all, or how you've seen its, you know, scope grow in terms of societal implications? Okay, that's a great question. That's going to take like a week to answer. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I think, um, well, the most obvious thing is we're living in a um, once in a hundred year pandemic, right? Um, and I believe we've also in a bit of a, it's an understatement to say a toxic political environment. What I'd say is, um, what's happened to us is, is we've become an either phenomenon is happening. And I don't mean Kierkegaard. I mean that, that philosophy can we've lost the ability to have civilized discourse to talk about ideas even if those ideas are different you know i have a lot to say about premises um when we just kind of had a little bit of fun scratching the surface of those but we're a society that is that is now isolated um hopefully we're we're going to start to interact on a human level we're getting our information culturally out of um you know, silos of, of social media and such. So things are, so it, things have changed. Philosophy and is always going to, um, you know, it's it, history, as history is unfolding and what's happening in, in a culture, in a society, in the world, you're always going to see the ripple effects of it in philosophy and in thought. And I believe where we are now is a really tough place to be, which is why I'm excited about what you're doing because of this either or phenomenon where where people that, that think if you don't believe what I'm believing, then you're, you're a bad person and you think the opposite. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of intolerance and anger that come from it. So, um, so the, so the implications from that are really, um, are really not good. And more than we need to be aware of that, and we need to practice um, practice the art of of sharing ideas with each other, listening to each other, and um, your the thing the videos you've offered, the the podcasts that you've had on on different types of of arguments and and um, how to construct things is is very important for helping us do that in a productive manner. Oh, thank you. 
Um, well, you know, about that question, I, it's gotten me thinking, um, I've done a few podcasts about this, but this notion of idea camps, of how the absence of philosophy makes you um, outsource your agency and outsource your decision-making capabilities because you don't know how to philosophize. You don't know how to rationally reflect on your own ends because you don't, you're not used to it. So, you know, I think the role of philosophy is really to offer you, you know, freedom, therapy, and cosmological consciousness, as Pierre Hado yeah. says, you know, it, it is true. I just want to interrupt you when you're saying outsourcing it. That's really what's happening. People, mm-hmm. we need, we've lost so much education-wise over the past two, three years. Um, we need to get people to, to think and to think critically, um, because if you if you're of the camp where you you outsource your ideas or you i think you, you did something interesting on repost culture a while back um the unintended concept it, it, sometimes that's what, what happens is is a, it could have a good outcome for sure but at time that also has the potential to have an unintended consequence which can have moral implications or it, bad things can happen so for people to be aware of what they're doing, to think things through, to make good choices, and to make choices based on, on um, you know, their the way they are, the information that they're getting to be open to things, but and also sometimes it doesn't you, doesn't mean you're going to end up changing your mind, but you're going to have have a, a, a good practice of how to use your mind, how to get information, how to collaborate, how to move things forward. So. So, yes, so I, mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. All right. Um, so then also another follow-up question is, how do you think philosophy could help society in navigating troubles? And then, like, what about the individual level? Like, what role does the practice of philosophy promise and play when executed in, with the best intent in mind? I know we just brushed upon that, but I kind of want to hit it on the nose. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah. Um, well, I know you, you love living philosophy and doing philosophy and i think that right now we're all sort of alienated or we're out of practice with each other so i think introducing philosophy or getting people to embrace it and know that that it's 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 a part of them and it's a it's a natural thing for a human being to question and to to gain to to look to gain knowledge and we say what are we doing here and and probably um you know when we say okay maybe i believe with philosophy it's that our why we're here we're here to live a good life and then we say okay well what is the meaning of good and and what do you mean by a good life and um and should our natural state be that we are um we are living in goodness abundance love you know except i think philosophy can help us get there mm-hmm. it's also good when we're having problems or having difficulties which everyone has and, and a lot of people are having a lot of problems now um to know philosophically that time as as temporal beings in the historical continuum uh, as you always say that time it goes a long way to possibilities and that possibilities can help us solve these problems um and and really lead to hope but the important part is is dialogue. So I think philosophy can help society in navigating troubles by encouraging discussion, listening, 
you have to be be a good listener you have to be you have to be teachable you have to have you have to be open if, if philosophy and talking about it and all the different aspects of it can help us more as a society to say listen we are open to learning and for ourselves to be teachable and to be communicate and to be collaborative then that's only going to help um, with the with the guide that we are here to live a good life quote unquote um, and we are and maybe you would say the natural state should be one of love so I'm taking it a little bit further people might argue all sorts of different things but that's okay because the dialogue is the important part and then to get us away from that either or from here where someone says I like this or I disagree with you and then they throw you into a bucket and say oh then you're one of those or you're one of that or you're that means you're this or you're terrible without trying to understand or that they jump on the bus of of whatever everyone is trending on because they're afraid you know they, they don't they don't know how to think so so I think it's it's only going to help us um in our ability maybe ultimately to solve problems and move everyone into toward that natural state of goodness abundance love collaboration and um you know what what we're here for yeah agreed i also think it's important to note that the you know it's just the pedagogy of philosophy it gives us these moral principles that are like with justification that are meant to be you know lived by so that's another important implication on the individual and societal level of you know philosophy but um that was good i i also want to know what ways do you think philosophy could be shared more effectively with the largest community possible do you think that would be like social media podcasting youtube news outlets um you know what would a successful philosophical outreach look like to you well i mean you you sort of think back to the marketplace of ideas which i think you're you know you we we sort of have that today but kind of have a like i want to say like not a great version of that because they're these are you know the internet or reddit or youtube there's there's just they're, they're we're in we are imperfect because we're temporal and because we're we don't have the you know we make choices and some choices are bad some choices are good so to if you kind of ex- take that and bring it to a a different level you know the 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 place where we would look to um to bring philosophy to the to the masses or in the largest scale is probably not not ideal i would say you know it's going to be fallible whatever you do yeah but you're going to try you're going to mm-hmm. try so the important things are the simplicity of of the messaging um i love the i love the 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 technology that's available there and i love the bits of sound bites that um that get people interested and the and the important thing i would say more than the vehicles because you certainly have limitless vehicles is to is for the message to be simple and for it to be accessible and for everyone to know that they can take part in it that's yeah. the part so it doesn't have to be um i mean the thing about philosophy is it can it can be tied into many different disciplines um and it's still philosophy you know it can be tied to history it can be tied to mathematics to science to morals to to there's so to business there's just so much to law there's there's so much that can to language that can come out of it that 
that if maybe a, a mission would be to um, to to simplify it and and invite people in so that they themselves can then take ownership of it and recognize that it is avail it is for everyone mm-hmm. and then they can they can take it further further from that it's like it makes me think of you know what you've done in dance you know uh, you studied ballet for many 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 years and um you find at the end that dance belongs to everyone everyone yes. can do it everyone can 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 enjoy it and i think that i would love to see philosophy like that yeah so. it, you know the thing that you said about the sound bites kind of makes me laugh because it's it's always when i i publish a podcast and i'm like hey do you want to know why like we love underdogs, then everyone comes and see. But then I talk about, like, metaphysics, and people are like, no, like, no, <laughs> I don't know about that. But, you know, it's all about, like, it being put in, I guess, like, yeah, a dialogue or, um, or I guess, presentation that people are familiar with. People don't really know what metaethics are or metaphysics or epistemology, but people do know what, you know, like, I'm just thinking of my old Augustine podcast of like, oh, why do we like underdogs? Uh, what about ice cream after a hot day? Like, you know, things like that, that um, people like to hear about. Um, people want to hear about controversial things. So maybe that's one of the ways we can bring it to people and, you know, have a peaked interest. Um, and okay, two more questions for you. So mm-hmm. I want to know, what would you say the goal of the field of philosophy is? Are we supposed to just answer hard questions or does the knowledge we gain through the practice of philosophy progress us to lead a more virtuous and great life and should we ought to do that Hmm. well i think some parts of philosophy should do that and um or concentrate on that but again there's i think the the I I believe maybe the ultimate goal of it is just within your your temporal um your is is an personal journey within your own temporality to understand why you're here and what your contribution is and um and to have this be a and and to add to the goodness of the world so i guess it's i mean that in itself is a is a philosophical exercise um i think it you know what i would think it would be it's sort of like the uh hippocratic oath you but kind of my own words to do to first do no harm you know yeah (laughs) just you know make things better Mm -hmm. under try to understand things um it's very uh, and maybe even um understand that as we're here and we're slices of temporality overlapping with each other that um we're not going to have all the answers and and this this awareness of the hubris that so many people commit on a daily basis i'm sure myself included (laughs) you know just to be a, a you know maybe cautious of that but to to try to to do good to do good in the world so. mm-hmm. that makes sense um and I, I agree as well all right last question um what is a way that we can empower individuals to bring the philosophy that they've learned to their communities so that you know then we'd probably just be in a better situation for society because i'm i'm i guess i'm assuming a priori assumption that knowledge is good and progresses society but yeah i just want to hear about that Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, well, I think education 
has to be a priority. Um, I think people knowing that philosophy is attainable and that it's not something you like we're not people are just sort of getting or masses of people are just sort of getting used to meditating or thinking about the benefits of that wouldn't it be great if there was you know along with the calm app there was the philosophy app (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know when people practice a little critical thinking exercises or broad learn new terms or new ways of, of of discussing things or new ways of, of arguments and um, just ways to just continually improve your mind. You know, the, I, I don't even know the statistic, but I remember hearing something. We, we don't use a lot of our mind. Um, Absolutely. And we also probably don't use a lot of our day in a productive way. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, we're so distracted. Um so I, somewhere maybe along the lines of mindfulness and and opening people up and, and letting them feel feel comfortable and excited to to engage in philosophy, knowing that this philosophy has a very broad umbrella of activities that come under it, and it and it should be fun and it should have a, a good aim aim to it. So I would say creating dialogue around it interest introducing new concepts it has to be related to to the schools it should it should be it should be taught because it's um you know it's it's a wonderful it exercises a a great part of the brain yeah i i love that you know i i also i think we should be bringing philosophy to second graders (laughs) but you know i you know i think that we should be teaching these like you know thought about like you know, yeah, cognitive sophistication, looking at our own ends, what is true, things like that, and starting that from a very young age because um, it seems that you're almost too late in the game when people actually start employing that in schools, like later in high school or when you just start college. People are like, oh, it's too late in the game. Can't get in it. I can't really get into philosophy because I don't really know how to do it. And, you know, it's just intimidating. But, yeah, I I agree. Yes, if it's sort of broken down and they understand all the wonderful parts that that fall fall under philosophy and that you know the most important thing is that we're open to the first level of philosophy which is your your thinking and then you're talking you're sharing and and you're listening so Mm -hmm. um you know it's 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 all you know it's all good good things Yes. All right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Mom. Oh, my pleasure. I hope you have a great rest of the day. I know you're so busy. So, but, <laughs> but again, as busy as you are, you make time to put philosophy into your day. And that is a cool thing. And these weekly uh, reminders are really helpful. They're really helpful to me. And I appreciate it. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And uh, that's all I have for today's episode of Emmaism. Thank you for listening. And until next time, keep searching for the truth. Welcome back to Emmaism, a philosophy podcast for students of philosophy, because that really is what we all are, seekers of knowledge. Happy Friday, guys. It's finally time to philosophize again. Today, once again, I'm joined by my mother, Heidi Sonniger Jensen, and we are going to talk about bringing philosophy to the masses and how that can transform the way in which we go about life, connect with others, and stay true to ourselves. She's joining us um, from the phone. You know, she's in Boston, I'm in Philly, so quite a bit of distance, but luckily the phone can get us connected. Um, but 
I just really want to drive home before I dive into some questions that the mission of my podcast is, you know, in particular to endure, encourage the practice of philosophy to those who may not have the opportunity to philosophize otherwise. I'm a big proponent of the project of the uh, democratization of philosophy. As a discipline, it doesn't do the most charitable job of expanding its influence, especially in such a pre-professional aiming collegiate experience. What people don't know is that philosophy is one of the most beneficial pre-professional fields of study because it prepares its students with different skills that absolutely go to work in the workforce, like, you know, critical thinking, clear argument structure. Um, On top of that, the actual philosophy that's studied encourages good habits, development of character, and the striving for virtue. How can you not justify that these are useful professional development? These are the most useful and important skills. So bottom line is that I strive to make people who feel traditionally excluded from the practice of philosophical thought included. Accessibility is important, and I just want to bring philosophy to a new audience. So that being said, hi, Mom. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're helping out a busy podcaster this week. Yeah, you have a lot going on, but I'm excited. I'm always happy to talk about philosophy, and I've, I'm a huge fan of yours. You know that. And <laughs> to, yeah, to um, democratize philosophy and to bring it to the masses, because I, I do think people think it's, a, it's too hard. There's too much going on. They don't really understand it. So um, the more that you can share with people and open their eyes and um, people will understand it's not something that that you have to commit to or, you know, enroll in a school and do all sorts of things that you can do a lot of self-study, personal work, and, um, and it can be very simple. So I'm excited to talk to you about it. Yeah, absolutely. So my first question for you is how you've seen philosophy's role in society transform over the past several years, if at all, or how you've seen its, you know, scope grow in terms of societal implications? Okay, that's a great question. That's going to take like a week to answer. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I think, um, well, the most obvious thing is we're living in a um, once in a hundred year pandemic, right? Um, and I believe we've also in a bit of a, it's an understatement to say a toxic political environment. What I'd say is, um, what's happened to us is, is we've become an either phenomenon is happening. And I don't mean Kierkegaard. I mean that, that philosophy can, we've lost the ability to have civilized discourse, to talk about ideas, even if those ideas are different. You know, I have a lot to say about premises um, when we just kind of had a little bit of fun scratching the surface of those, but we're a society that is that is now isolated. Um, hopefully we're, we're gonna start to interact on a human level. We're getting our information culturally out of, um, you know, silos of, of social media and such. So things are, so things have changed. Philosophy is always going to, um, you know, it's history as history is unfolding and what's happening in, in a culture, in a society, in the world, you're always going to see the ripple effects of it in philosophy and in thought. And I believe where we are now is a really tough place to be, which is why I'm excited about what you're doing because of this either or phenomenon where where people that that think 
if you don't believe what I'm believing, then you're you're a bad person and you think the opposite. Mm-hmm. It, so there's a lot of intolerance and anger that come from it. So um, so the so the implications from that are really um, are really not good. And more than we need to be aware of that, and we need to practice um, practice the art of of sharing ideas with each other, listening to each other, and um, your the thing the videos you've offered, the the podcasts that you've had on on different types of of arguments and and um, how to construct things is is very important for helping us do that in a productive manner. So. Oh, thank you. Um, well, you know, about that question, I it's gotten me thinking, um, I've done a few podcasts about this, but this notion of idea camps, of how the absence of philosophy makes you um, outsource your agency and outsource your decision-making capabilities because you don't know how to philosophize. You don't know how to rationally reflect on your own ends because you don't, you're not used to it. So, you know, I think the role of philosophy is really to offer you, you know, freedom, therapy, and cosmological consciousness, as Pierre Hadot yeah. says, you know, it, it is true. I just want to interrupt you when you're saying outsourcing it. That's really what's happening. People, mm-hmm. we need, we've lost so much education-wise over the past two, three years. Um, we need to get people to, to think and to think critically, um, because if you if you're of the camp where you, you outsource your ideas or you, I think you, you did something interesting on repost culture a while back. Um, the unintended concept, it, it, sometimes that's what, what happens is, is a, it could have a good outcome for sure. But at t- that also has the potential to have an unintended consequence, which can have moral implications or bad things can happen. So, for people to be aware of what they're doing, to think things through, to make good choices, and to make choices based on, on um, you know, their the way they are, the information that they're getting to be open to things, but and also sometimes it doesn't you, doesn't mean you're going to end up changing your mind, but you're going to have have a, a, a good practice of how to use your mind, how to get information, how to collaborate, how to move things forward. So. So, yes, I'm right there with you. All right. Um, So then another follow-up question is, how do you think philosophy could help society in navigating troubles? And then, like, what about the individual level? Like, what role does the practice of philosophy promise and play when executed with the best intent in mind? I know we just brushed upon that, but I kind of want to hit it on the nose. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah. Um, Well, I know you, you love living philosophy and doing philosophy and i think that right now we're all sort of alienated or we're out of practice with each other so i think introducing philosophy or getting people to embrace it and know that that it's 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 a part of them and it's a it's a natural thing for a human being to question and to to gain to to look to gain knowledge and we say what are we doing here and and probably um you know when we say okay maybe i believe with philosophy it's the our, why we're here we're here to live a good life and then we say okay well what is the meaning of good and and what do you mean by a good life and um and should our natural state be that we are um we are living in goodness abundance love you know except i think philosophy can help us get there 
mm-hmm. it's also good when we're having problems or having difficulties which everyone has and, and a lot of people are having a lot of problems now um to know philosophically that time as as temporal beings in the historical continuum uh, as you always say that time it goes a long way to possibilities and that possibilities can help us solve these problems um and and really lead to hope but the important part is is dialogue so i think philosophy can help society in navigating troubles by encouraging discussion listening you have to be a, be a good listener you have to be you have to be teachable you have to have you have to be open if if philosophy and talking about it and all the different aspects of it can help us more as a society to say listen we are open to learning and for ourselves to be teachable and to be communicate and to be collaborative then that's only going to help um with the with the guide that we are here to live a good life quote unquote um and we are and maybe you would say the natural state should be one of love so i'm taking it a little bit further people might argue all sorts of different things but that's okay because the dialogue is the important part and then to get us away from that either or here where if someone says i like this or i disagree with you and then they throw you into a bucket and say oh then you're one of those or you're one of that or you're that means you're this or you're terrible without trying to understand or that they jump on the bus of of whatever everyone is trending on because they're afraid you know they they don't they don't know how to think so so i think it's it's only going to help us um in our ability maybe ultimately to solve problems and move everyone into toward that natural state of goodness abundance love collaboration and um you know what what we're here for yeah agreed i also think it's important to note that the you know it's just the pedagogy of philosophy it gives us these moral principles that are like with justification that are meant to be you know lived by so that's another important implication on the individual and societal level of you know philosophy but um that was good i i also want to know what ways do you think philosophy could be shared more effectively with the largest community possible do you think that would be like social media podcasting youtube news outlets um you know what would a successful philosophical outreach look like to you well i mean you you sort of think back to the marketplace of ideas which i think you're you know you we we sort of have that today but kind of have a like i want to say like not a great version of that because there these are you know the internet or reddit or youtube there's there's just there there we're in we are imperfect because we're temporal and because we're we don't have the you know we make choices and some choices are bad some choices are good so to if you kind of ex- take that and bring it to a a different level you know the 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 place where we would look to um to bring philosophy to the to the masses or in the largest scale is probably not not ideal i would say you know it's going to be fallible whatever you do yeah but you're going to try you're going mm-hmm. to try so the important things are the simplicity of of the messaging um i love the i love the 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 technology that's available there and i love the bits of sound bites that um that get people interested 
and the and the important thing I would say more than the vehicles because you certainly have limitless vehicles is to is for the message to be simple and for it to be accessible and for everyone to know that they can take part in it. That's yeah. the part. So look, it doesn't have to be. Um, I mean, the thing about philosophy is it can it can be tied into many different disciplines. Um, and it's still philosophy, you know, it can be tied to history, it can be tied to mathematics, to science, to morals, to, to, there's so, to business, there's just so much to law, there's, there's so much that can, to language that can come out of it, that, that if maybe a, a mission would be to, um, to, to simplify it and, and invite people in so that they themselves can then take ownership of it and recognize that it is available it is for everyone mm-hmm. and then they can they can take it further further from that it's like it makes me think of you know what you've done in dance you know uh, you studied ballet for many 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 years and um you find at the end that dance belongs to everyone everyone yes. can do it everyone can 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 enjoy it and i think that i would love to see philosophy like that yeah, it, you know, the thing that you said about the sound bites kind of makes me laugh because it's it's always when I, I publish a podcast and I'm like, hey, do you want to know why, like, we love underdogs? Then everyone comes and see. But then I talk about, like, metaphysics and people are like, no, like, no, <laughs> I don't know about that. But, you know, it's all about, like, it being put in, I guess, like, yeah, a dialogue or um or I guess presentation that people are familiar with. People don't really know what metaethics are, or metaphysics, or epistemology, but people do know what you know. Like I'm just thinking of my old Augustine podcast of like, oh, why do we like underdogs? Uh, what about ice cream after a hot day? Like you know things like that that um, people like to hear about. Um, people want to hear about controversial things, so maybe that's one of the ways we can bring it to people and you know have a peaked interest. Um, and okay, two more questions for you. So I want to know, what would you say the goal of the field of philosophy is? Are we supposed to just answer hard questions or does the knowledge we gain through the practice of philosophy progress us to lead a more virtuous and great life? And should we ought to do that? Hmm. Well, I think some parts of philosophy should do that and um, or concentrate on that. But again, there's... I think the the I I believe maybe the ultimate goal of it is just within your your temporal um, your is is an personal journey within your own temporality to understand why you're here and what your contribution is and um, and to have this be a and and to add to the goodness of the world so i guess it's i mean that in itself is a is a philosophical exercise um i think it you know what i would think it would be it's sort of like the uh hippocratic oath you but kind of my own words to do to first do no harm you know yeah (laughs) just you know make things better Mm -hmm. under try to understand things um it's very uh, and maybe even um understand that as we're here and we're slices of temporality overlapping with each other that um we're not going to have all the answers and and this this awareness of the hubris that so many people 
commit on a daily basis, I'm sure myself included, <laughs> you know, just to be, a, a, you know, maybe cautious of that, but to, to try to, to do good, to do good in the world. So. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, and I, I agree as well. All right. Last question. Um, what is a way that we can empower individuals to bring the philosophy that they've learned to their communities so that, you know, then we'd probably just be in a better situation for society because I'm, I'm, I guess I'm assuming a priori assumption that knowledge is good and progresses society. But yeah, I just want to hear about that. Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, well, I think education has to be a priority. Um, I think people knowing that philosophy is attainable and that it's not something you like, we're not, people are just sort of getting or masses of people are just sort of getting used to meditating or thinking about the benefits of that. Wouldn't it be great if there was, you know, along with the Calm app, there was the philosophy app. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, when people practice, did a little critical thinking exercises or broad, learned new terms or new ways of of discussing things or new ways of of arguments and um, just ways to just, continually improve your mind I, I don't even know the statistic but I remember hearing something we, we don't use a lot of our mind um, absolutely and we also probably don't use a lot of our day in a productive way I mm. mean it's we're so distracted um, so I, somewhere maybe along the lines of mindfulness and and opening people up and, and letting them feel feel comfortable and excited to to engage in philosophy knowing that this philosophy has a very broad umbrella of activities that come under it and it and it should be fun and it should have a, a good aim aim to it so i would say creating dialogue around it interest introducing new concepts it has to be related to to the schools it should it should be it should be taught because it's um you know it's it's a wonderful it exercises a a great part of the brain yeah i i love that you know i i also i think we should be bringing philosophy to second graders (laughs) but you know i you know i think that we should be teaching these like you know thought about like you know, yeah, cognitive sophistication, looking at our own ends, what is true, things like that, and starting that from a very young age because um, it seems that you're almost too late in the game when people actually start employing that in schools, like later in high school or when you just start college. People are like, oh, it's too late in the game. Can't get in it. I can't really get into philosophy because I don't really know how to do it. And, you know, it's just intimidating. But, yeah, I I agree. Yes, if it's sort of broken down and they understand all the wonderful parts that that fall fall under philosophy and that you know the most important thing is that we're open to the first level of philosophy which is your your thinking and then you're talking you're sharing and and you're listening so Mm -hmm. um you know it's 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 all you know it's all good good things Yes. All right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Mom. Oh, my pleasure. I hope you have a great rest of the day. I know you're so busy. So, but, <laughs> but again, as busy as you are, you make time to put philosophy into your day. And that is a cool thing. And these weekly 
uh, reminders are really helpful. They're really helpful to me, and I appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you. And uh, that's all I have for today's episode of Emmaism. Thank you for listening, and until next time, keep searching for the truth. Welcome back to Emmaism, a philosophy podcast for students of philosophy, because that really is what we all are, seekers of knowledge. Happy Friday, guys. It's finally time to philosophize again. Today, once again, I'm joined by my mother, Heidi Sonniger Jensen, and we are going to talk about bringing philosophy to the masses and how that can transform the way in which we go about life, connect with others, and stay true to ourselves. She's joining us um, from the phone. You know, she's in Boston, I'm in Philly, so quite a bit of distance, but luckily the phone can get us connected. Um, but I just really want to drive home before I dive into some questions that... The mission of my podcast is, you know, in particular to enjoy, encourage the practice of philosophy to those who may not have the opportunity to philosophize otherwise. I'm a big proponent of the project of the uh, democratization of philosophy. As a discipline, it doesn't do the most charitable job of expanding its influence, especially in such a pre-professional aiming collegiate experience. What people don't know is that philosophy is one of the most beneficial pre-professional fields of study because it prepares its students with different skills that absolutely go to work in the workforce like you know critical thinking clear argument structure Um, on top of that the actual philosophy that's studied encourages good habits development of character and the striving for virtue how can you not justify that these are useful professional development these are the most useful and important skills so bottom line is that I strive to make people who feel traditionally excluded from the practice of philosophical thought included. Accessibility is important, and I just want to bring philosophy to a new audience. So that being said, hi, Mom. I thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're helping out a busy podcaster this week. Yeah, you have a lot going on, but I'm excited. I'm always happy to talk about philosophy, and I've, I'm a huge fan of yours. You know that, and <laughs> you're using it to yeah to um, democratize philosophy and to bring it to the masses because I, I do think people think it's a it's too hard. There's too much going on. They don't really understand it. So um, the more that you can share with people and open their eyes, and um, people will understand it's not something that that you have to commit to or you know enroll in a school and do all sorts of things that you can do a lot of self-study personal work and um and it can be very simple so i'm excited to talk to you about it yeah absolutely so my first question for you is how you've seen philosophy's role in society transform over the past several years if at all or how you've seen its you know scope grow in terms of societal implications okay that's a Great question. That's going to take like a week to answer, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, well, the most obvious thing is we're living in a um, once in a hundred year pandemic, right? Um, and I believe we've also in a bit of a, to, it's an understatement to say a toxic political environment. What I'd say is um, what's happened to us is is we've become an either phenomenon is happening and i don't mean kierkegaard i mean that that philosophy can we've lost the ability to have civilized discourse to talk about ideas even if those ideas are different you know i have a lot to say about premises um when we just kind of had a little bit of fun 
scratching the surface of those, but we're a society that is that is now isolated. Um, hopefully, we're we're going to start to interact at a human level. We're getting our information culturally out of um, you know silos of of social media and such. So things are so it, things have changed. Philosophy and is always going to. Um, you know, it's it, history as history is unfolding and what's happening in in a culture, in a society, in the world. You're always going to see the ripple effects of it in philosophy and in thought. And I believe where we are now is a really tough place to be, which is why I'm excited about what you're doing because of this either or phenomenon. We're, we're people that that think if you don't believe what I'm believing, then you're you're a bad person and you think the opposite. Mm-hmm. It, so there's a lot of intolerance and anger that come from it. So, um, so the so the implications from that are really um, are really not good. And more than we need to be aware of that, and we need to practice um, practice the art of of sharing ideas with each other, listening to each other, and um, your the thing the videos you've offered the the podcasts that you've had on on different types of of arguments and and um, how to construct things is is very important for helping us do that in a productive manner. So. Oh, thank you. Um, well, you know about that question. I it's gotten me thinking. Um, I've done a few podcasts about this, but this notion of idea camps of how the absence of philosophy makes you um, outsource your agency and outsource your decision-making capabilities because you don't know how to philosophize. You don't know how to rationally reflect on your own ends because you don't, you're not used to it. So, you know, I think the role of philosophy is really to offer you, you know, freedom, therapy, and cosmological consciousness, as Pierre Hadot yeah. says, you know, it, it is true. I just want to interrupt you when you're saying outsourcing it. That's really what's happening. People, mm-hmm. we need, we've lost so much education-wise over the past two, three years. Um, we need to get people to to think and to think critically, um, because if you if you're of the camp where you you outsource your ideas, or you, I think you you did something interesting on repost culture a while back um the unintended concept it, it, sometimes that's what what happens is is a it could have a good outcome for sure but at time that also has the potential to have an unintended consequence which can have moral implications or it, bad things can happen so for people to be aware of what they're doing to think things through to make good choices and to make choices based on on um you know their the way they are, the information that they're getting to be open to things, but can also sometimes it doesn't you, doesn't mean you're going to end up changing your mind, but you're going to have have a, a, a good practice at how to use your mind, how to get information, how to collaborate, how to move things forward. So, so yes, so that, mm-hmm. I, I'm right there with you. All right. Um, so then, also my another follow up question is: How do you think philosophy could help society in navigating troubles? And then, like. What about the individual level? Like, what role does the practice of philosophy promise and play when executed in, with the best intent in mind? I know we just brushed upon that, but I kind of want to hit it on the nose. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah. Um, well, I know you you love living philosophy and doing philosophy. And I think that right now we're all sort of alienated or we're out of practice with each other. So I think 
introducing philosophy or getting people to embrace it and know that that it's 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 a part of them and it's a it's a natural thing for a human being to question and to to gain to to look to gain knowledge and we say what are we doing here and and probably um you know when we say okay maybe i believe with philosophy it's the our, why we're here we're here to live a good life and then we say okay well what is the meaning of good and and what do you mean by a good life and um and should our natural state be that we are um we are living in goodness abundance love you know except i think philosophy can help us get there mm-hmm. it's also good when we're having problems or having difficulties which everyone has and, and a lot of people are having a lot of problems now um to know philosophically that time as as temporal beings in the historical continuum uh, as you always say that time it goes a long way to possibilities and that possibilities can help us solve these problems um and and really lead to hope but the important part is is dialogue so i think philosophy can help society in navigating troubles by encouraging discussion listening you have to be be a good listener you have to be you have to be teachable you have to have you have to be open if if philosophy and talking about it and all the different aspects of it can help us more as a society to say listen we are open to learning and for ourselves to be teachable and to be communicate and to be collaborative then that's only going to help um with the with the guide that we are here to live a good life quote unquote um and we are and maybe you would say the natural state should be one of love so i'm taking it a little bit further people might argue all sorts of different things but that's okay because the dialogue is the important part and then to get us away from that either or for here where someone says i like this or i disagree with you and then they throw you into a bucket and say oh then you're one of those or you're one of that or you're that means you're this or you're terrible without trying to understand or that they jump on the bus of of whatever everyone is trending on because they're afraid you know they they don't they don't know how to think so so i think it's it's only going to help us um in our ability maybe ultimately to solve problems and move everyone into toward that natural state of goodness abundance love collaboration and um you know what what we're here for yeah agreed i also think it's important to note that the you know it's just the pedagogy of philosophy it gives us these moral principles that are like with justification that are meant to be you know lived by so that's another important implication on the individual and societal level of you know philosophy but um that was good i i also want to know what ways do you think philosophy could be shared more effectively with the largest community possible do you think that would be like social media podcasting youtube news outlets um you know what would a successful philosophical outreach look like to you well I mean, you you sort of think back to the marketplace of ideas, which I think you're, you know, you we we sort of have that today, but kind of have a like, I want to say like not a great version of that because there these are, you know, the internet or Reddit or YouTube. There's there's just they're, they're 
we're in, we are imperfect because we're temporal and because we're, we don't have the, you know, we make choices and some choices are bad. Some choices are good. So to, if you kind of ex- take that and bring it to a, a different level, you know, the, the, the place where we would look to, um, to bring philosophy to the to the masses or in the largest scale is probably not not ideal i would say you know it's going to be fallible whatever you do yeah but you're going to try you're going to try so the important things are the simplicity of of the messaging um i love the i love the 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 technology that's available there and i love the bits of sound bites that um that get people interested and the, and the important thing I would say more than the vehicles, because you certainly have limitless vehicles, is to is for the message to be simple and for it to be accessible and for everyone to know that they can take part in it. That's yeah. the part. So it doesn't have to be, um, I mean, the thing about philosophy is it can, it can be tied into many different disciplines um and it's still philosophy you know it can be tied to history it can be tied to mathematics to science to morals to to there's so to business there's just so much to law there's there's so much that can to language that can come out of it that that if maybe a, a mission would be to um to to simplify it and and invite people in so that they themselves can then take ownership of it and recognize that it is avail it is for everyone mm-hmm. and then they can they can take it further further from that it's like it makes me think of you know what you've done in dance you know uh, you studied ballet for many 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 years and um you find at the end that dance belongs to everyone everyone yes. can do it everyone can 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 enjoy it and i think that i would love to see philosophy like that yeah you know the thing that you said about the sound bites kind of makes me laugh because it's it's always when I I publish a podcast and I'm like hey do you want to know why like we love underdogs then everyone comes to see but then I talk about like metaphysics and people are like no like no (laughs) I don't know about that but you know it's all about like it being put in I guess like yeah a dialogue or um or I guess presentation that people are familiar with. People don't really know what metaethics are or metaphysics or epistemology, but people do know what, you know, like I'm just thinking of my old Augustine podcast of like, oh, why do we like underdogs? Uh, what about ice cream after a hot day? Like, you know, things like that, that um, people like to hear about. Um, people want to hear about controversial things. So maybe that's one of the ways we can bring it to people and, you know, have a peaked interest. Um, and okay, two more questions for you. So I want to know, what would you say the goal of the field of philosophy is? Are we supposed to just answer hard questions or does the knowledge we gain through the practice of philosophy progress us to lead a more virtuous and great life? And should we ought to do that? Hmm. Well, I think some parts of philosophy should do that and, um, or concentrate on that. But again, there's, I think the the I I believe maybe the ultimate goal of it is just within your your temporal um your is is an personal journey within your own temporality to understand why you're here and what your contribution is and 
um, and to have this be a and and to add to the goodness of the world. So I guess it's I mean that in itself is a is a philosophical exercise. Um, I think it, you know what I would think it would be. It's sort of like the uh, Hippocratic oath. You, but kind of my own words to do to first do no harm. You know, yeah. <laughs> Let's just you know make things better. Mm-hmm. Under try to understand things. Um, it's very, uh, and maybe even um, understand that as we're here and we're slices of temporality overlapping with each other, that. Um, we're not going to have all the answers, and and this this awareness of the hubris that so many people commit on a daily basis. I'm sure myself included. <laughs> you know, just to be a, a you know maybe cautious of that, but to to try to to do good to do good in the world. So. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, um, and I, I agree as well. All right, last question. Um, what is a way that we can empower individuals to bring the philosophy that they've learned to their communities so that, you know, then we'd probably just be in a better situation for society? Because I'm, I'm, I guess I'm assuming a priori assumption that knowledge is good and progresses society. But yeah, I just want to hear about that. Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, well, I think education has to be a priority. Um, I think people knowing that philosophy is attainable and that it's not something you like we're not people are just sort of getting or masses of people are just sort of getting used to meditating or thinking about the benefits of that wouldn't it be great if there was you know along with the calm app there was the philosophy app (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know and people practice their little critical thinking exercises or broad learn new terms or new ways of 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 discussing things or new ways of, of arguments and um, just ways to just continually improve your mind. You know, the, I, I don't even know the statistic, but I remember hearing something. We, we don't use a lot of our mind. Um, Absolutely. And we also probably don't use a lot of our day in a productive way. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, we're so distracted. Um so I, somewhere maybe along the lines of mindfulness and and opening people up and, and letting them feel feel comfortable and excited to to engage in philosophy, knowing that this philosophy has a very broad umbrella of activities that come under it, and it and it should be fun and it should have a, a good aim aim to it. So I would say creating dialogue around it interest introducing new concepts it has to be related to to the schools it should it should be it should be taught because it's um you know it's it's a wonderful it exercises a a great part of the brain yeah i i love that you know i i also i think we should be bringing philosophy to second graders (laughs) but you know i you know i think that we should be teaching these like you know thought about like you know, yeah, cognitive sophistication, looking at our own ends, what is true, things like that, and starting that from a very young age because um, it seems that you're almost too late in the game when people actually start employing that in schools, like later in high school or when you just start college. People are like, oh, it's too late in the game. Can't get in it. I can't really get into philosophy because I don't really know how to do it. And, you know, it's just intimidating. But, yeah, yeah I, well, I agree. Why, yes, if it's sort of broken down and they understand 
all the wonderful parts that that fall fall under philosophy and that you know the most important thing is that we're open to the first level of philosophy which is your your thinking and then you're talking you're sharing and, and you're listening so mm-hmm. um you know it's 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 all you know it's all good good things yes all right thank you so much for being on the podcast today mom oh my pleasure i hope you have a great rest of the day i know you're so busy so but (laughs) but again as busy as you are you make time to put philosophy into your day and that is a cool thing and these weekly uh reminders are really helpful they're really helpful to me and i appreciate it so thank you thank you and uh that's all i have for today's episode of emmaism thank you for listening and until next time keep searching for the truth welcome back to emmaism a philosophy podcast for students of philosophy because that really is what we all are seekers of knowledge happy friday guys it's finally time to philosophize again Today, once again, I'm joined by my mother, Heidi Sonniger Jensen, and we are going to talk about bringing philosophy to the masses and how that can transform the way in which we go about life, connect with others, and stay true to ourselves. She's joining us um, from the phone. You know, she's in Boston, I'm in Philly, so quite a bit of distance, but luckily the phone can get us connected. Um, but I just really want to drive home before I dive into some questions that... The mission of my podcast is, you know, in particular to enjoy, encourage the practice of philosophy to those who may not have the opportunity to philosophize otherwise. I'm a big proponent of the project of the uh, democratization of philosophy. As a discipline, it doesn't do the most charitable job of expanding its influence, especially in such a pre-professional aiming collegiate experience. What people don't know is that philosophy is one of the most beneficial pre-professional fields of study because it prepares its students with different skills that absolutely go to work in the workforce like you know critical thinking clear argument structure Um, on top of that the actual philosophy that's studied encourages good habits development of character and the striving for virtue how can you not justify that these are useful professional development these are the most useful and important skills so bottom line is that I strive to make people who feel traditionally excluded from the practice of philosophical thought included. Accessibility is important, and I just want to bring philosophy to a new audience. So that being said, hi, Mom. I thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're helping out a busy podcaster this week. Yeah, you have a lot going on, but I'm excited. I'm always happy to talk about philosophy, and I've, I'm a huge fan of yours. You know that, and you're <laughs> here to, to, yeah, to um, democratize philosophy and to bring it to the masses because I, I do think people think it's a it's too hard. There's too much going on. They don't really understand it. So um, the more that you can share with people and open their eyes, and um, people will understand it's not something that that you have to commit to or you know enroll in a school and do all sorts of things that you can do a lot of self-study personal work and um and it can be very simple so i'm excited to talk to you about it yeah absolutely so my first question for you is how you've seen philosophy's role in society transform over the past several years if at all or how you've seen its you know scope grow in terms of societal implications okay that's a great question that's going to take like a week to answer but um, (laughs) (laughs) I think um, well the most obvious thing is we're living in a 
um, once in a hundred year pandemic, right? Um, and I believe we've also in a bit of a, it's an understatement to say a toxic political environment. What I'd say is um, what's happened to us is, is we've become an either phenomenon is happening. And I don't mean Kierkegaard. I mean that, that philosophy can, we've lost the ability to have civilized discourse, to talk about ideas, even if those ideas are different. You know, I have a lot to say about premises um, when we just kind of had a little bit of fun scratching the surface of those, but we're a society that is, that is now isolated um, hopefully we're we're gonna start to interact at a human level. We're getting our information culturally out of um, you know silos of of social media and such. So things are so it, things have changed. Philosophy and is always going to um, you know it's it history as history is unfolding and what's happening in in a culture, in a society, in the world, you're always gonna, see the ripple effects of it in philosophy and in thought and i believe where we are now is a really tough place to be which is why i'm excited about what you're doing because of this either or phenomenon we're, we're people that that think if you don't believe what i'm believing then you're you're a bad person and you think the opposite mm-hmm. it, so there's a lot of intolerance and anger that come from it so um so the so the implications from that are really um are really not good and more than we need to be aware of that and we need to practice um, practice the art of, of sharing ideas with each other, listening to each other and um, your the thing the videos you've offered, the, the podcasts that you've had on, on different types of, of arguments and, and um, how to construct things is, is very important for helping us do that in a productive manner. So. Oh, thank you. Um, well, you know, about that question, I it's gotten me thinking, um, I've done a few podcasts about this, but this notion of idea camps, of how the absence of philosophy makes you um, outsource your agency and outsource your decision-making capabilities because you don't know how to philosophize. You don't know how to rationally reflect on your own ends because you don't, you're not used to it. So, you know, I think the role of philosophy is really to offer you, you know, freedom, therapy, and cosmological consciousness, as Pierre Hadot yeah. says. You know, it, it is true. I just want to interrupt you when you're saying outsourcing it. That's really what's happening. People, mm-hmm. we need, we've lost so much education-wise over the past two, three years. Um, we need to get people to, to think and to think critically. Um, because if you if you're of the camp where you you outsource your ideas or you i think you you did something interesting on repost culture a while back um the unintended concept sometimes that's what what happens is is it could have a good outcome for sure but at time that also has the potential to have an unintended consequence which can have moral implications or bad things can happen so for people to be aware of what they're doing, to think things through, to make good choices, and to make choices based on, on um, you know, their the way they are, the information that they're getting to be open to things, but and also sometimes it doesn't you, doesn't mean you're going to end up changing your mind, but you're going to have have a, a, a good practice of how to use your mind, how to 
get information, how to collaborate, how to move things forward. So, so yes, Mm -hmm. I'm right there with you. All right. Um, so then also my another follow-up question is how do you think philosophy could help society in navigating troubles? And then like, what about the individual level? Like what role does the practice of philosophy promise and play when executed in, with the best intent in mind? I know we just brushed upon that, but I kind of want to hit it on the nose. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah. Um, well, I know you, you love living philosophy and doing philosophy. And I think that right now we're all sort of alienated or we're out of practice with each other. So I think introducing philosophy or getting people to embrace it and know that, that it's, it's, it's a part of them and it's a, it's a natural thing for a human being to question and to, to gain, to, to look, to gain knowledge. And we say, what are we doing here? And, and probably, um, you know, when we say, okay, maybe I believe with philosophy, it's the, our, why we're here. We're here to live a good life. And then we say, okay, well, what is the meaning of good? And, and what do you mean by a good life? And, um, and should our natural state be that we are, um, we are living in goodness, abundance, love, you know, except I think philosophy can help us get there. Mm-hmm. It's also good when we're having problems or having difficulties, which everyone has, and, and a lot of people are having a lot of problems now, um, to know philosophically that time, as, as temporal beings in the historical continuum, uh, as you always say, that time it goes a long way to possibilities, and that possibilities can help us solve these problems um, and, and really lead to hope. But the important part is is dialogue. So I think philosophy can help society in navigating troubles by encouraging discussion, listening. You have to be be a good listener. You have to be you have to be teachable. You have to have you have to be open. If, if philosophy and talking about it and all the different aspects of it can help us more as a society to say, listen. We are open to learning and for ourselves to be teachable and to be communicate and to be collaborative, then that's only going to help um, with the with the guide that we are here to live a good life, quote unquote. Um, and we are and maybe you would say the natural state should be one of love. So I'm taking it a little bit further. People might argue all sorts of different things, but that's okay because the dialogue is the important part. And then to get us away from that either or from here where someone says, I like this or I disagree with you. And then they throw you into a bucket and say, oh, then you're one of those or you're one of that or you're, that means you're this or you're terrible without trying to understand. Or that they jump on the bus of, of whatever everyone is trending on because they're afraid, you know, they, they, don't, they don't know how to think. So, so I think it's, it's only going to help us um, in our ability maybe ultimately to solve problems and move everyone into toward that natural state of goodness abundance love collaboration and um you know what what we're here for yeah agreed i also think it's important to note that the you know it's just the pedagogy of philosophy it gives us these moral principles that are like with justification that are meant to be you know lived by so that's another important implication on the individual and societal level of you know philosophy but um that was good 
I, I also want to know what ways do you think philosophy could be shared more effectively with the largest community possible? Do you think that would be like social media, podcasting, YouTube, news outlets? Um, you know, what would a successful philosophical outreach look like to you? Well, I mean, you, you sort of think back to the marketplace of ideas, which I think you're, you know, you, we, we sort of have that today, but kind of have a, like, I want to say like, not a great version of that because they're, these are, you know, the internet or Reddit or YouTube. There's, there's just, there, we're in, we are imperfect because we're temporal and because we're, we don't have the, you know, we make choices and some choices are bad. Some choices are good. So to, if you kind of ex- take that and bring it to a, a different level, you know, the, the, the place where we would look to, um, to bring philosophy to the to the masses or in the largest scale is probably not not ideal i would say you know it's going to be fallible whatever you do yeah but you're going to try you're going to try so the important things are the simplicity of of the messaging um i love the i love the 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 technology that's available there and i love the bits of sound bites that um that get people interested and the, and the important thing I would say more than the vehicles, because you certainly have limitless vehicles, is to is for the message to be simple and for it to be accessible and for everyone to know that they can take part in it. That's yeah. the part. So it doesn't have to be, um, I mean, the thing about philosophy is it can, it can be tied into many different disciplines um, and it's still philosophy, you know, it can be tied to history, it can be tied to mathematics, to science, to morals, to, to, there's so, to business, there's just so much to law, there's, there's so much that can, to language that can come out of it, that, that if maybe a, a mission would be to, um, to, to simplify it, and, and invite people in so that they themselves can then take ownership of it and recognize that it is available it is for everyone mm-hmm. and then they can they can take it further further from that it's like it makes me think of you know what you've done in dance you know uh, you studied ballet for many 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 years and um you find at the end that dance belongs to everyone everyone yes. can do it everyone can 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 enjoy it and i think that i would love to see philosophy like that yeah, it, you know, the thing that you said about the sound bites kind of makes me laugh because it's it's always when I, I publish a podcast and I'm like, hey, do you want to know why, like, we love underdogs? Then everyone comes and see. But then I talk about, like, metaphysics and people are like, no, like, no, <laughs> I don't know about that. But, you know, it's all about, like, it being put in, I guess, like, yeah, a dialogue or um or I guess presentation that people are familiar with. People don't really know what metaethics are or metaphysics or epistemology, but people do know what, you know, like I'm just thinking of my old Augustine podcast of like, oh, why do we like underdogs? Uh, what about ice cream after a hot day? Like, you know, things like that, that um, people like to hear about. Um, people want to hear about controversial things. So maybe that's one of the ways we can bring it to people and, you know, have a peaked interest. Um, and okay, two more questions for you. So I want to know, what would you say the goal of the field of philosophy is? Are we supposed to just answer hard questions or 
does the knowledge we gain through the practice of philosophy progress us to lead a more virtuous and great life? And should we ought to do that? Hmm. Well, I think some parts of philosophy should do that and um, or concentrate on that. But again, there's, I think the, the I, I believe maybe the ultimate goal of it is just within your, your temporal, um, your, is, is an personal journey within your own temporality to understand why you're here and what your contribution is and, um, and to have this be a, an end to add to the goodness of the world. So I guess it's, I mean, that in itself is a, is a philosophical exercise. Um, I think it, you know what I would think it would be, it's sort of like the, uh, Hippocratic oath, you, but kind of my own words to do, to first do no harm, you know, yeah, <laughs> just, you know, make things better mm-hmm. under, try to understand things. Um, it's very, uh, and maybe even, um, understand that as we're here and we're slices of temporality overlapping with each other, that um, we're not going to have all the answers. And and this this awareness of the hubris that so many people commit on a daily basis, I'm sure myself included, <laughs> you know, just to be a, a you know maybe cautious of that, but to to try to to do good to do good in the world. So. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, and I, I agree as well. All right. Last question. Um, what is a way that we can empower individuals to bring the philosophy that they've learned to their communities so that, you know, then we'd probably just be in a better situation for society? Because I'm, I'm, I guess I'm assuming a priori assumption that knowledge is good and progresses society. But yeah, I just want to hear about that. Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, well, I think education has to be a priority. Um, I think people knowing that philosophy is attainable and that it's not something you like, we're not, people are just sort of getting, or masses of people are just sort of getting used to meditating or thinking about the benefits of that. Wouldn't it be great if there was, you know, along with the Calm app, there was the philosophy app. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, and people practice a little critical thinking exercises or broad learn new terms or new ways of, of, of discussing things or new ways of, of arguments and, um, just ways to just continually improve your mind. I, I don't even know the statistic, but I remember hearing something. We, we don't use a lot of our mind. Um, Absolutely. And we also probably don't use a lot of our day in a productive way. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, we're so distracted. Um, so I, somewhere maybe along the lines of mindfulness and, and, opening people up and, and letting them feel feel comfortable and excited to to engage in philosophy, knowing that this philosophy has a very broad umbrella of activities that come under it and it and it should be fun and it should have a, a good aim aim to it. So I would say creating dialogue around it interest introducing new concepts it has to be related to to the schools it should it should be it should be taught because it's um you know it's it's a wonderful it exercises a a great part of the brain yeah i i love that 
you know, I, I also, I think we should be bringing philosophy to second graders, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, you know, I think work. that we should be teaching yes. these like, you know, thought about like, you know, yeah. Cognitive sophistication, looking at our own ends, what is true, things like that. And starting that from a very young age, because, um, it seems that you're almost too late in the game when people actually start employing that in schools, like later in high school or when you just start college. People are like, oh, it's too late in the game. Can't get in it. I can't really get into philosophy because I don't really know how to do it. And, you know, it's just intimidating. But, yeah, yeah I, well, I agree. Why, yes, if it's sort of broken down and they understand all the wonderful parts that, that fall, fall under philosophy and that, you know, the most important thing is that we're open to the first level of philosophy, which is your your thinking, and then you're talking, you're sharing, and and you're listening. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's 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 all you know, it's all good good things. Yes. All right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Mom. Oh, my pleasure. I hope you have a great rest of the day i know you're so busy so but but again as busy as you are you make time to put philosophy into your day and that is a cool thing and these weekly uh reminders are really helpful they're really helpful to me and i appreciate it so thank you thank you and uh that's all i have for today's episode of emmaism thank you for listening and until next time keep searching for the truth welcome back to emmaism a philosophy podcast for students of philosophy because that really is what we all are, seekers of knowledge. Happy Friday, guys. It's finally time to philosophize again. Today, once again, I'm joined by my mother, Heidi Sonniger Jensen, and we are going to talk about bringing philosophy to the masses and how that can transform the way in which we go about life, connect with others, and stay true to ourselves. She's joining us um, from the phone. You know, She's in Boston, I'm in Philly, so quite a bit of distance, but luckily the phone can get us connected. Um, but I just really want to drive home before I dive into some questions that the mission of my podcast is, you know, in particular to endure, encourage the practice of philosophy to those who may not have the opportunity to philosophize otherwise. I'm a big proponent of the project of the uh, democratization of philosophy. As a discipline, it doesn't do the most charitable job of expanding its influence, especially in such a pre-professional aiming collegiate experience. What people don't know is that philosophy is one of the most beneficial pre-professional fields of study because it prepares its students with different skills that absolutely go to work in the workforce, like you know, critical thinking, clear argument structure. Um, on top of that, the actual philosophy that's studied encourages good habits, development of character, and the striving for virtue. How can you not justify that these are useful prof- professional development? These are the most useful and important skills. So bottom line is that I strive to make people who feel traditionally excluded from the practice of philosophical thought included. Accessibility is important, and I just want to bring philosophy to a new audience. So that being said, hi, Mom. I Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're helping out a busy podcaster this week. Yeah, you have a lot going on, but I'm excited. I'm always happy to talk about philosophy, and I've, I'm a huge fan of yours. You know that. And <laughs> to, yeah, to um, democratize philosophy and to bring it to the masses, because I, I do think people think it's a it's too hard. There's too much going on. They don't really understand it. 
So um, the more that you can share with people and open their eyes and um, people will understand it's not something that that you have to commit to or, you know, enroll in a school and do all sorts of things that you can do a lot of self-study, personal work, and, um, and it can be very simple. So I'm excited to talk to you about it. Yeah, absolutely. So my first question for you is how you've seen philosophy's role in society transform over the past several years, if at all, or how you've seen its, you know, scope grow in terms of societal implications? Okay, that's a great question. That's going to take like a week to answer. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, well, the most obvious thing is we're living in a um, once in a hundred year pandemic, right? Um, and I believe we've also in a bit of a, it's an understatement to say a toxic political environment. What I'd say is um, what's happened to us is is we've become an either phenomenon is happening. And I don't mean Kierkegaard. I mean that that philosophy can we've lost the ability to have civilized discourse to talk about ideas even if those ideas are different you know i have a lot to say about premises um when we just kind of had a little bit of fun scratching the surface of those but we're a society that is that is now isolated um hopefully we're we're going to start to interact at a human level we're getting our information culturally out of um you know, silos of, of social media and such. So things are, so it, things have changed. Philosophy and is always going to, um, you know, it's it, history as history is unfolding and what's happening in, in a culture, in a society, in the world, you're always going to see the ripple effects of it in philosophy and in thought. And I believe where we are now is a really tough place to be, which is why I'm excited about what you're doing because of this either or phenomenon where we're people that, that think if you don't believe what I'm believing, then you're, you're a bad person and you think the opposite. Mm-hmm. It, so there's a lot of intolerance and anger that come from it. So, um, so the, so the implications from that are really, um, are really not good and more than we need to be aware of that and we need to practice um practice the art of of sharing ideas with each other listening to each other and um your the thing the videos you've offered the the podcast that you've had on on different types of of arguments and and um how to construct things is is very important for helping us do that in a productive manner so. Oh, thank you. Um, well, you know, about that question, I it's gotten me thinking, um, I've done a few podcasts about this, but this notion of idea camps, of how the absence of philosophy makes you um, outsource your agency and outsource your decision-making capabilities because you don't know how to philosophize. You don't know how to rationally reflect on your own ends because you don't, you're not used to it. So, you know, I think the role of philosophy is really to offer you, you know, freedom, therapy, and cosmological consciousness, as Pierre Hadot yeah. says, you know, it, it is true. I just want to interrupt you when you're saying outsourcing it. That's really what's happening. People, mm-hmm. we need, we've lost so much education-wise over the past two, three years. Um, we need to get people to, to think and to think critically. Um, because if you, 
if you're of the camp where you you outsource your ideas or you i think you, you did something interesting on repost culture a while back um the unintended concept it, it, sometimes that's what, what happens is is a, it could have a good outcome for sure but at time that also has the potential to have an unintended consequence which can have moral implications or bad things can happen so for people to be aware of what they're doing to think things through to make good choices and to make choices based on on um you know their the way they are the information that they're getting to be open to things but and also sometimes it doesn't you doesn't mean you're going to end up changing your mind but you're going to have have a, a, a good practice of how to use your mind how to get information how to collaborate how to move things forward so so yes Mm -hmm. i'm right there with you all right um so then also my another follow-up question is how do you think philosophy could help society in navigating troubles and then like what about the individual level like what role does the practice of philosophy promise and play when executed and with the best intent in mind i know we just brushed upon that but i kind of want to hit it on the nose Hmm. let's see yeah um well, I know you you love living philosophy and doing philosophy, and I think that right now we're all sort of alienated or we're out of practice with each other. So I think introducing philosophy or getting people to embrace it and know that that it's 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 a part of them and it's a it's a natural thing for a human being to question and to to gain to to look to gain knowledge and we say what are we doing here and and probably um you know when we say okay maybe i believe with philosophy it's the our, why we're here we're here to live a good life and then we say okay well what is the meaning of good and and what do you mean by a good life and um and should our natural state be that we are um we are living in goodness abundance love you know except i think philosophy can help us get there mm-hmm. it's also good when we're having problems or having difficulties which everyone has and, and a lot of people are having a lot of problems now um to know philosophically that time as as temporal beings in the historical continuum uh, as you always say that time it goes a long way to possibilities and that possibilities can help us solve these problems um and and really lead to hope but the important part is is dialogue. So I think philosophy can help society in navigating troubles by encouraging discussion, listening. You have to be a, be a good listener. You have to be you have to be teachable. You have to have you have to be open. If, if philosophy and talking about it and all the different aspects of it can help us more as a society to say, listen. We are open to learning and for ourselves to be teachable and to be communicate and to be collaborative, then that's only going to help um, with the with the guide that we are here to live a good life, quote unquote. Um, and we are and maybe you would say the natural state should be one of love. So I'm taking it a little bit further. People might argue all sorts of different things, but that's okay because the dialogue is the important part. And then to get us away from that either or here where someone says, I like this or I disagree with you. And then they throw you into a bucket and say, 
oh, then you're one of those or you're one of that or you're, that means you're this or you're terrible without trying to understand or that they jump on the bus of, of whatever everyone is trending on because they're afraid, you know, they, they, don't, they don't know how to think. So, so I think it's, it's only going to help us um, in our ability maybe ultimately to solve problems and move everyone into toward that natural state of goodness, abundance, love, collaboration, and, um, you know, what, what we're here for. Yeah, agreed. I also think it's important to note that, the, you know, it's just the pedagogy of philosophy. It gives us these moral principles that are, like, with justification that are meant to be, you know, lived by. So that's another important implication on the individual and societal level of, you know, philosophy. But um, that was good. I, I also want to know, what ways do you think philosophy could be shared more effectively with the largest community possible? Do you think that would be like social media, podcasting, YouTube, news outlets? Um, you know, what would a successful philosophical outreach look like to you? Well, I mean, you, you sort of think back to the marketplace of ideas, which I think you're, you know, you, we, we sort of have that today, but kind of have a, like, I want to say like not a great version of that because there, these are, you know, the internet or Reddit or YouTube. There's, there's just, there we're in, we are imperfect because we're temporal and because we're, we don't have the, you know, we make choices and some choices are bad. Some choices are good. So to, if you kind of take that and bring it to a, a different level, you know, the, the, the place where we would look to, um, to bring philosophy to the to the masses or in the largest scale is probably not not ideal i would say you know it's going to be fallible whatever you do yeah but you're going to try you're going to try so the important things are the simplicity of of the messaging um i love the i love the 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 technology that's available there and i love the bits of sound bites that um that get people interested and the and the important thing I would say more than the vehicles because you certainly have limitless vehicles is to is for the message to be simple and for it to be accessible and for everyone to know that they can take part in it. That's yeah. the part. So look, it doesn't have to be. Um, I mean, the thing about philosophy is it can it can be tied into many different disciplines. Um, and it's still philosophy, you know, it can be tied to history, it can be tied to mathematics, to science, to morals, to, to, there's so, to business, there's just so much to law, there's, there's so much that can, to language that can come out of it, that, that if maybe a, a mission would be to, um, to, to simplify it, and, and invite people in so that they themselves can then take ownership of it and recognize that it is available it is for everyone mm-hmm. and then they can they can take it further further from that it's like it makes me think of you know what you've done in dance you know uh, you studied ballet for many 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 years and um you find at the end that dance belongs to everyone everyone yes. can do it everyone can 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 enjoy it and i think that i would love to see philosophy like that yeah, it, you know, the thing that you said about the sound bites kind of makes me laugh because it's it's always when I, I publish a podcast and I'm like, hey, do you want to know why, like, 
we love underdogs, then everyone comes and see. But then I talk about like metaphysics and people are like, no, like, no, <laughs> I don't know about that. But you know, it's all about like it being put in, I guess, like, yeah, a dialogue or, um, or I guess presentation that people are familiar with. People don't really know what metaethics are or metaphysics or epistemology, but people do know what, you know, like, I'm just thinking of my old Augustine podcast of, like, oh, why do we like underdogs? Uh, what about ice cream after a hot day? Like, you know, things like that, that um, people like to hear about. Um, people want to hear about controversial things. So maybe that's one of the ways we can bring it to people and, you know, have a peaked interest. Um, and, okay, two more questions for you. So I want to know, what would you say the goal of the field of philosophy is? Are we supposed to just answer hard questions or does the knowledge we gain through the practice of philosophy progress us to lead a more virtuous and great life and should we ought to do that Mm. well i think some parts of philosophy should do that and um or concentrate on that but again there's i think the the I I believe maybe the ultimate goal of it is just within your your temporal um your is is an personal journey within your own temporality to understand why you're here and what your contribution is and um and to have this be a and and to add to the goodness of the world so i guess it's i mean that in itself is a is a philosophical exercise um i think it you know what i would think it would be it's sort of like the uh hippocratic oath you but kind of my own words to do to first do no harm you know yeah (laughs) just you know make things better Mm -hmm. under try to understand things um it's very uh, and maybe even um understand that as we're here and we're slices of temporality overlapping with each other that um we're not going to have all the answers and and this this awareness of the hubris that so many people commit on a daily basis i'm sure myself included (laughs) you know just to be a, a you know maybe cautious of that but to to try to to do good to do good in the world so. mm-hmm. that makes sense um and I, I agree as well all right last question um what is a way that we can empower individuals to bring the philosophy that they've learned to their community so that you know then we'd probably just be in a better situation for society because i'm i'm i guess i'm assuming a priori assumption that knowledge is good and progresses society but yeah i just want to hear about that Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, well, I think education has to be a priority. Um, I think people knowing that philosophy is attainable and that it's not something you like, we're not people are just sort of getting or masses of people are just sort of getting used to meditating or thinking about the benefits of that. Wouldn't it be great if there was, you know, along with the Calm app, there was the philosophy app. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, when people practice their little critical thinking exercises or broad learn new terms or new ways of of discussing things or new ways of of arguments and um, just ways to just continually improve your mind i i don't even know the statistic but i remember hearing something we we don't use a lot of our mind um absolutely and we also 
probably don't use a lot of our day in a productive way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's we're so distracted. Um, so I, somewhere maybe along the lines of mindfulness and and opening people up and, and letting them feel feel comfortable and excited to to engage in philosophy, knowing that this philosophy has a very broad umbrella of activities that come under it and it and it should be fun and it should have a, a good aim aim to it. So I would say creating dialogue around it, interest, introducing new concepts. It has to be related to, to the schools. It should it should be it should be taught because it, it's um you know it's it's a wonderful it exercises a, a great part of the brain. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, I, I also I think we should be bringing philosophy to second graders. <laughs> but yeah, you know I you know I think that we should be teaching yes. these like, you know, thought about like you know, yeah, cognitive sophistication, looking at our own ends, what is true, things like that, and starting that from a very young age because um, it seems that you're almost too late in the game when people actually start employing that in schools, like later in high school or when you just start college. People are like, oh, it's too late in the game. Can't get in it. I can't really get into philosophy because I don't really know how to do it. And, you know, it's just intimidating. But, yeah, I I agree. Yes, if it's sort of broken down and they understand all the wonderful parts that that fall fall under philosophy and that you know the most important thing is that we're open to the first level of philosophy which is your your thinking and then you're talking you're sharing and, and you're listening so mm-hmm. um you know it's 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 all you know it's all good good things Yes. All right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Mom. Oh, my pleasure. I hope you have a great rest of the day. I know you're so busy. So, but, <laughs> but again, as busy as you are, you make time to put philosophy into your day. And that is a cool thing. And these weekly uh, reminders are really helpful. They're really helpful to me. And I appreciate it. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And uh, that's all I have for today's episode of Emmaism. Thank you for listening. And until next time, keep searching for the truth. Welcome back to Emmaism, a philosophy podcast for students of philosophy, because that really is what we all are, seekers of knowledge. Happy Friday, guys. It's finally time to philosophize again. Today, once again, I'm joined by my mother, Heidi Sonniger Jensen, and we are going to talk about bringing philosophy to the masses and how that can transform the way in which we go about life, connect with others, and stay true to ourselves. She's joining us um, from the phone. You know, she's in Boston, I'm in Philly, so quite a bit of distance, but luckily the phone can get us connected. Um, but I just really want to drive home before I dive into some questions that... The mission of my podcast is, you know, in particular to enjoy, encourage the practice of philosophy to those who may not have the opportunity to philosophize otherwise. I'm a big proponent of the project of the uh, democratization of philosophy. As a discipline, it doesn't do the most charitable job of expanding its influence, especially in such a pre-professional aiming collegiate experience. What people don't know is that philosophy is one of the most beneficial pre-professional fields of study because it prepares its students with different skills that absolutely go to work in the workforce like you know critical thinking clear argument structure Um, on top of that the actual philosophy that's studied encourages 
good habits, development of character, and the striving for virtue. How can you not justify that these are useful professional development? These are the most useful and important skills. So bottom line is that I strive to make people who feel traditionally excluded from the practice of philosophical thought included. Accessibility is important, and I just want to bring philosophy to a new audience. So that being said, hi, Mom. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're helping out a busy podcaster this week. Yeah, you have a lot going on, but I'm excited. I'm always happy to talk about philosophy, and I've, I'm a huge fan of yours. You know that. And you're here to, yeah, to um, democratize philosophy and to bring it to the masses because I, I do think people think it's, a, it's too hard. There's too much going on. They don't really understand it. So um, the more that you can share with people and open their eyes and um, people will understand it's not something that that you have to commit to or, you know, enroll in a school and do all sorts of things that you can do a lot of self-study, personal work, and, um, and it can be very simple. So I'm excited to talk to you about it. Yeah, absolutely. So my first question for you is how you've seen philosophy's role in society transform over the past several years, if at all, or how you've seen its, you know, scope grow in terms of societal implications? Okay, that's a great question. That's going to take like a week to answer. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I think, um, well, the most obvious thing is we're living in a um, once in a hundred year pandemic, right? Um, and I believe we've also in a bit of a, to, it's an understatement to say a toxic political environment. What I'd say is um, what's happened to us is is we've become an either phenomenon is happening. And I don't mean Kierkegaard. I mean that, that philosophy can we've lost the ability to have civilized discourse to talk about ideas even if those ideas are different you know i have a lot to say about premises um when we just kind of had a little bit of fun scratching the surface of those but we're a society that is that is now isolated um hopefully we're we're going to start to interact on a human level we're getting our information culturally out of um you know, silos of, of social media and such. So things are, so it, things have changed. Philosophy and is always going to, um, you know, it's it, history, as history is unfolding and what's happening in, in a culture, in a society, in the world, you're always going to see the ripple effects of it in philosophy and in thought. And I believe where we are now is a really tough place to be, which is why I'm excited about what you're doing because of this either or phenomenon where where people that, that think if you don't believe what I'm believing, then you're, you're a bad person and you think the opposite. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of intolerance and anger that come from it. So, um, so the, so the implications from that are really, um, are really not good and more than we need to be aware of that and we need to practice um practice the art of of sharing ideas with each other listening to each other and um your the thing the videos you've offered the the podcasts that you've had on on different types of of arguments and and um how to construct things is is very important for helping us do that in a productive manner Oh, thank you. 
Um, well, you know, about that question, I, it's gotten me thinking, um, I've done a few podcasts about this, but this notion of idea camps, of how the absence of philosophy makes you um, outsource your agency and outsource your decision-making capabilities because you don't know how to philosophize. You don't know how to rationally reflect on your own ends because you don't, you're not used to it. So, you know, I think the role of philosophy is really to offer you, you know, freedom, therapy, and cosmological consciousness, as Pierre Hadot yeah. says, you know, it, it is true. I just want to interrupt you when you're saying outsourcing it. That's really what's happening. People, mm-hmm. we need, we've lost so much education-wise over the past two, three years. Um, we need to get people to, to think and to think critically, um, because if you if you're of the camp where you you outsource your ideas or you i think you you did something interesting on repost culture a while back um the unintended concept sometimes that's what what happens is is it could have a good outcome for sure but at time that also has the potential to have an unintended consequence which can have moral implications or bad things can happen so for people to be aware of what they're doing, to think things through, to make good choices, and to make choices based on, on um, you know, their the way they are, the information that they're getting to be open to things, but and also sometimes it doesn't you, doesn't mean you're going to end up changing your mind, but you're going to have have a, a, a good practice of how to use your mind, how to get information, how to collaborate, how to move things forward. So. So, yes, I'm right there with you. All right. Um, So then another follow-up question is, how do you think philosophy could help society in navigating troubles? And then, like, what about the individual level? Like, what role does the practice of philosophy promise and play when executed with the best intent in mind? I know we just brushed upon that, but I kind of want to hit it on the nose. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah. Um, Well, I know you, you love living philosophy and doing philosophy and i think that right now we're all sort of alienated or we're out of practice with each other so i think introducing philosophy or getting people to embrace it and know that that it's 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 a part of them and it's a it's a natural thing for a human being to question and to to gain to to look to gain knowledge and we say what are we doing here and and probably um you know when we say okay maybe i believe with philosophy it's that our why we're here we're here to live a good life and then we say okay well what is the meaning of good and and what do you mean by a good life and um and should our natural state be that we are um we are living in goodness abundance love you know except i think philosophy can help us get there mm-hmm. it's also good when we're having problems or having difficulties which everyone has and, and a lot of people are having a lot of problems now um to know philosophically that time as as temporal beings in the historical continuum uh, as you always say that time it goes a long way to possibilities and that possibilities can help us solve these problems um and and really lead to hope but the important part is is dialogue. So I think philosophy can help society in navigating troubles by encouraging discussion, listening, 
you have to be be a good listener you have to be you have to be teachable you have to have you have to be open if, if philosophy and talking about it and all the different aspects of it can help us more as a society to say listen we are open to learning and for ourselves to be teachable and to be communicate and to be collaborative then that's only going to help um with the with the guide that we are here to live a good life quote unquote um and we are and maybe you would say the natural state should be one of love so i'm taking it a little bit further people might argue all sorts of different things but that's okay because the dialogue is the important part and then to get us away from that either or for here where someone says i like this or i disagree with you and then they throw you into a bucket and say oh then you're one of those or you're one of that or you're that means you're this or you're terrible without trying to understand or that they jump on the bus of of whatever everyone is trending on because they're afraid you know they they don't they don't know how to think so so i think it's it's only going to help us um in our ability maybe ultimately to solve problems and move everyone into toward that natural state of goodness abundance love collaboration and um you know, what, what we're here for. Yeah, agreed. I also think it's important to note that, the you know, it's just the pedagogy of philosophy. It gives us these moral principles that are, like, with justification that are meant to be, you know, lived by. So that's another important implication on the individual and societal level of, you know, philosophy. But um, that was good. I, I also want to know, what ways do you think philosophy could be shared more effectively with the largest community possible? Do you think that would be like social media, podcasting, YouTube, news outlets? Um, you know, what would a successful philosophical outreach look like to you? Well, I mean, you, you sort of think back to the marketplace of ideas, which I think you're, you know, you, we, we sort of have that today, but kind of have a, like, I want to say like not a great version of that because they're these are you know the internet or reddit or youtube there's there's just there we're in we are imperfect because we're temporal and because we're we don't have the you know we make choices and some choices are bad some choices are good so to, if you kind of ex- take that and bring it to a, a different level you know the 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 place where we would look to um to bring philosophy to the to the masses or in the largest scale is probably not not ideal i would say you know it's going to be fallible whatever you do yeah but you're going to try you're going to try so the important things are the simplicity of of the messaging um i love the i love the 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 technology that's available there and i love the bits of sound bites that um that get people interested and the and the important thing I would say more than the vehicles because you certainly have limitless vehicles is to is for the message to be simple and for it to be accessible and for everyone to know that they can take part in it. That's yeah. the part. So it doesn't have to be. Um, I mean, the thing about philosophy is it can it can be tied into many different disciplines. Um, and it's still philosophy, you know, it can be tied to history, it can be tied to mathematics, to science, to morals, to, to, there's so, to business, there's just so much to law, there's, there's so much that can, to language that can come out of it that, 
that if maybe a, a mission would be to um, to to simplify it and and invite people in so that they themselves can then take ownership of it and recognize that it is avail it is for everyone mm-hmm. and then they can they can take it further further from that it's like it makes me think of you know what you've done in dance you know uh, you studied ballet for many 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 years and um you find at the end that dance belongs to everyone everyone yes. can do it everyone can 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 enjoy it and i think that i would love to see philosophy like that yeah you know the thing that you said about the sound bites kind of makes me laugh because it's it's always when i i publish a podcast and i'm like hey do you want to know why like we love underdogs then everyone comes and see but then i talk about like metaphysics and people are like no like no (laughs) i don't know about that but you know it's all about like it being put in i guess like yeah a dialogue or um or I guess presentation that people are familiar with. People don't really know what metaethics are or metaphysics or epistemology, but people do know what, you know, like I'm just thinking of my old Augustine podcast of like, oh, why do we like underdogs? Uh, what about ice cream after a hot day? Like, you know, things like that, that um, people like to hear about. Um, people want to hear about controversial things. So maybe that's one of the ways we can bring it to people and, you know, have a peaked interest. Um, and okay, two more questions for you. So I want to know, what would you say the goal of the field of philosophy is? Are we supposed to just answer hard questions or does the knowledge we gain through the practice of philosophy progress us to lead a more virtuous and great life? And should we ought to do that? Hmm. Well, I think some parts of philosophy should do that and, um, or concentrate on that. But again, there's, I think the the I I believe maybe the ultimate goal of it is just within your your temporal um your is is an personal journey within your own temporality to understand why you're here and what your contribution is and um and to have this be a and and to add to the goodness of the world so i guess it's i mean that in itself is a is a philosophical exercise um i think it you know what i would think it would be it's sort of like the uh hippocratic oath you but kind of my own words to do to first do no harm you know yeah <laughs> Let's just you know make things better mm-hmm. under try to understand things um it's very uh, and maybe even um understand that as we're here and we're slices of temporality overlapping with each other that um we're not going to have all the answers and and this this awareness of the hubris that so many people commit on a daily basis i'm sure myself included (laughs) you know just to be a, a you know maybe cautious of that but to to try to to do good to do good in the world so. mm-hmm. that makes sense um and I, I agree as well all right last question um what is a way that we can empower individuals to bring the philosophy that they've learned to their communities so that you know then we'd probably just be in a better situation for society because i'm i'm i guess i'm assuming a priori assumption that knowledge is good and progresses society but yeah i just want to hear about that Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, well, I think education 
has to be a priority. Um, I think people knowing that philosophy is attainable and that it's not something you like we're not people are just sort of getting or masses of people are just sort of getting used to meditating or thinking about the benefits of that wouldn't it be great if there was you know along with the calm app there was the philosophy app (laughs) yeah you know and people practice their little critical thinking exercises or broad learn new terms or new ways of, of of discussing things or new ways of, of arguments and um, just ways to just continually improve your mind. You know, the, I, I don't even know the statistic, but I remember hearing something. We, we don't use a lot of our mind. Um, Absolutely. And we also probably don't use a lot of our day in a productive way. I mm-hmm. mean, it's we're so distracted. Um so I, somewhere maybe along the lines of mindfulness and and opening people up and, and letting them feel feel comfortable and excited to to engage in philosophy, knowing that this philosophy has a very broad umbrella of activities that come under it, and it and it should be fun and it should have a, a good aim aim to it. So I would say creating dialogue around it interest introducing new concepts it has to be related to to the schools it should it should be it should be taught because it's um you know it's it's a wonderful it exercises a a great part of the brain yeah i i love that you know i i also i think we should be bringing philosophy to second graders (laughs) but you know i you know i think that we should be teaching these like you know thought about like you know yeah cognitive sophistication looking at our own ends what is true things like that and starting that from a very young age because um it seems that you're almost too late in the game when people actually start employing that in schools like later in high school or when you just start college people are like oh it's too late in the game can't get in it I can't really get into philosophy because I don't really know how to do it and you know it's just intimidating but yeah, I, I agree. Why, yes, if it's sort of broken down and they understand all the wonderful parts that, that fall, fall under philosophy and that, you know, the most important thing is that we're open to the first level of philosophy, which is your, your thinking and then your talking, your sharing, and, and your listening. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, it's all, you know, it's all good, good things. Yes. All right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Mom. Oh, my pleasure. I hope you have a great rest of the day. I know you're so busy. So, but <laughs> but again, as busy as you are, you make time to put philosophy into your day, and that is a cool thing. And these weekly uh, reminders are really helpful. They're really helpful to me, and I appreciate it. So, thank you. Oh, thank you. And uh, that's all I have for today's episode of Emmaism. Thank you for listening, and until next time, keep searching for the truth. Welcome back to Emmaism, a philosophy podcast for students of philosophy, because that really is what we all are seekers of knowledge. Happy Friday, guys. It's finally time to philosophize again. Today, once again, I'm joined by my mother, Heidi Sonniger Jensen, and we are going to talk about bringing philosophy to the masses and how that can transform the way in which we go about life, connect with others, and stay true to ourselves. She's joining us um, from the phone. You know, She's in Boston, I'm in Philly, so quite a bit of distance, but luckily the phone can get us connected. Um, but 
I just really want to drive home before I dive into some questions that the mission of my podcast is, you know, in particular to endure, encourage the practice of philosophy to those who may not have the opportunity to philosophize otherwise. I'm a big proponent of the project of the uh, democratization of philosophy. As a discipline, it doesn't do the most charitable job of expanding its influence, especially in such a pre-professional aiming collegiate experience. What people don't know is that philosophy is one of the most beneficial pre-professional fields of study because it prepares its students with different skills that absolutely go to work in the workforce, like, you know, critical thinking, clear argument structure. Um, On top of that, the actual philosophy that's studied encourages good habits, development of character, and the striving for virtue. How can you not justify that these are useful professional development? These are the most useful and important skills. So bottom line is that I strive to make people who feel traditionally excluded from the practice of philosophical thought included. Accessibility is important, and I just want to bring philosophy to a new audience. So that being said, hi, Mom. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're helping out a busy podcaster this week. Yeah, you have a lot going on, but I'm excited. I'm always happy to talk about philosophy, and I've, I'm a huge fan of yours. You know that. And you're here <laughs> to, to, yeah, to um, democratize philosophy and to bring it to the masses because I, I do think people think it's, a, it's too hard. There's too much going on. They don't really understand it. So um, the more that you can share with people and open their eyes and um, people will understand it's not something that that you have to commit to or, you know, enroll in a school and do all sorts of things that you can do a lot of self-study, personal work, and, um, and it can be very simple. So I'm excited to talk to you about it. Yeah, absolutely. So my first question for you is how you've seen philosophy's role in society transform over the past several years, if at all, or how you've seen its, you know, scope grow in terms of societal implications? Okay, that's a great question. That's going to take like a week to answer. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I think, um, well, the most obvious thing is we're living in a um, once in a hundred year pandemic, right? Um, and I believe we've also in a bit of a, it's an understatement to say a toxic political environment. What I'd say is, um, what's happened to us is, is we've become an either phenomenon is happening. And I don't mean Kierkegaard. I mean that, that philosophy can we've lost the ability to have civilized discourse to talk about ideas even if those ideas are different you know i have a lot to say about premises um when we just kind of had a little bit of fun scratching the surface of those but we're a society that is that is now isolated um hopefully we're we're going to start to interact on a human level we're getting our information culturally out of um you know, silos of, of social media and such. So things are, so things have changed. Philosophy is always going to, um, you know, it's history as history is unfolding and what's happening in, in a culture, in a society, in the world, you're always going to see the ripple effects of it in philosophy and in thought. And I believe where we are now is a really tough place to be, which is why I'm excited about what you're doing because of this either or phenomenon where where people that that think 
if you don't believe what I'm believing, then you're you're a bad person and you think the opposite. Mm-hmm. It, so there's a lot of intolerance and anger that come from it. So um, so the so the implications from that are really um, are really not good. And more than we need to be aware of that, and we need to practice um, practice the art of of sharing ideas with each other, listening to each other, and um, your the thing the videos you've offered, the the podcasts that you've had on on different types of of arguments and and um, how to construct things is is very important for helping us do that in a productive manner. So. Oh, thank you. Um, well, you know, about that question, I it's gotten me thinking, um, I've done a few podcasts about this, but this notion of idea camps, of how the absence of philosophy makes you um, outsource your agency and outsource your decision-making capabilities because you don't know how to philosophize. You don't know how to rationally reflect on your own ends because you don't, you're not used to it. So, you know, I think the role of philosophy is really to offer you, you know, freedom, therapy, and cosmological consciousness, as Pierre Hadot yeah. says, you know, it, it is true. I just want to interrupt you when you're saying outsourcing it. That's really what's happening. People, mm-hmm. we need, we've lost so much education-wise over the past two, three years. Um, we need to get people to, to think and to think critically, um, because if you, if you're of the camp where you you outsource your ideas or you i think you you did something interesting on repost culture a while back um the unintended concept sometimes that's what happens is is it could have a good outcome for sure but at time that also has the potential to have an unintended consequence which can have moral implications or bad things can happen so for people to be aware of what they're doing, to think things through, to make good choices, and to make choices based on, on um, you know, their the way they are, the information that they're getting to be open to things, but and also sometimes it doesn't you, doesn't mean you're going to end up changing your mind, but you're going to have have a, a, a good practice of how to use your mind, how to get information, how to collaborate, how to move things forward. So. So, yes, I'm right there with you. All right. Um, So then another follow-up question is, how do you think philosophy could help society in navigating troubles? And then, like, what about the individual level? Like, what role does the practice of philosophy promise and play when executed with the best intent in mind? I know we just brushed upon that, but I kind of want to hit it on the nose. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah. Um, Well, I know you, you love living philosophy and doing philosophy and i think that right now we're all sort of alienated or we're out of practice with each other so i think introducing philosophy or getting people to embrace it and know that that it's 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 a part of them and it's a it's a natural thing for a human being to question and to to gain to to look to gain knowledge and we say what are we doing here and and probably um you know when we say okay maybe i believe with philosophy it's that our why we're here we're here to live a good life and then we say okay well what is the meaning of good and and what do you mean by a good life and um and should our natural state be that we are um we are living in goodness abundance love you know except i think philosophy can help us get there 
-hmm. It's also good when we're having problems or having difficulties, which everyone has, and and a lot of people are having a lot of problems now, um, to know philosophically that time, as as temporal beings in the historical continuum, uh, as you always say, that time it goes a long way to possibilities and that possibilities can help us solve these problems um, and, and really lead to hope. But the important part is, is dialogue. So I think philosophy can help society in navigating troubles by encouraging discussion, listening, you have to be a, be a good listener. You have to be. You have to be teachable. You have to have. You have to be open. If, if philosophy and talking about it and all the different aspects of it can help us more as a society to say, listen, we are open to learning and for ourselves to be teachable and to be communicate and to be collaborative. Then that's only going to help. Um, with the with the guide that we are here to live a good life, quote unquote. Um, and we are, and maybe you would say the natural state should be one of love. So I'm taking it a little bit further. People might argue all sorts of different things, but that's okay because the dialogue is the important part. And then to get us away from that either or here where someone says, I like this, or I disagree with you. And then they throw you into a bucket and say, oh, then you're one of those, or you're one of that, or you're, that means you're this, or you're terrible without trying to understand or that they jump on the bus of, of whatever everyone is trending on because they're afraid. You know, they, they don't they don't know how to think. So, so I think it's it's only going to help us um, in our ability, maybe ultimately to solve problems and move everyone into toward that natural state of goodness, abundance, love, collaboration, and. Um, you know, what, what we're here for. Yeah, agreed. I also think it's important to note that, the you know, it's just the pedagogy of philosophy. It gives us these moral principles that are, like, with justification that are meant to be, you know, lived by. So that's another important implication on the individual and societal level of, you know, philosophy. But um, that was good. I, I also want to know, what ways do you think philosophy could be shared more effectively with the largest community possible? Do you think that would be like social media, podcasting, YouTube, news outlets? Um, you know, what would a successful philosophical outreach look like to you? Well, I mean, you, you sort of think back to the marketplace of ideas, which I think you're, you know, you, we, we sort of have that today, but kind of have a, like, I want to say like not a great version of that because there these are you know the internet or reddit or youtube there's there's just there we're in we are imperfect because we're temporal and because we're we don't have the you know we make choices and some choices are bad some choices are good so so if you kind of ex- take that and bring it to a, a different level you know the 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 place where we would look to um to bring philosophy to the to the masses or in the largest scale is probably not not ideal i would say you know it's going to be fallible whatever you do yeah but you're going to try you're going to try so the important things are the simplicity of of the messaging um i love the i love the 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 technology that's available there and i love the bits of sound bites that um that get people interested 
and the and the important thing I would say more than the vehicles because you certainly have limitless vehicles is to is for the message to be simple and for it to be accessible and for everyone to know that they can take part in it. That's yeah. the part. So it doesn't have to be. Um, I mean, the thing about philosophy is it can it can be tied into many different disciplines. Um, and it's still philosophy, you know, it can be tied to history, it can be tied to mathematics, to science, to morals, to, to, there's so, to business, there's just so much to law, there's, there's so much that can, to language that can come out of it, that, that if maybe a a mission would be to, um, to, to simplify it, and, and invite people in so that they themselves can then take ownership of it and recognize that it is available it is for everyone mm-hmm. and then they can they can take it further further from that it's like it makes me think of you know what you've done in dance you know uh, you studied ballet for many 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 years and um you find at the end that dance belongs to everyone everyone yes. can do it everyone can 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 enjoy it and i think that i would love to see philosophy like that yeah, it, you know, the thing that you said about the sound bites kind of makes me laugh because it's it's always when I, I publish a podcast and I'm like, hey, do you want to know why, like, we love underdogs? Then everyone comes and see. But then I talk about, like, metaphysics and people are like, no, like, no, <laughs> I don't know about that. But, you know, it's all about, like, it being put in, I guess, like, yeah, a dialogue or um or I guess presentation that people are familiar with. People don't really know what metaethics are, or metaphysics, or epistemology, but people do know what, you know, like, I'm just thinking of my old Augustine podcast of like, oh, why do we like underdogs? Uh, what about ice cream after a hot day? Like, you know, things like that, that um, people like to hear about. Um, people want to hear about controversial things. So maybe that's one of the ways we can bring it to people and, you know, have a peaked interest. Um, and okay, two more questions for you. So I want to know, what would you say the goal of the field of philosophy is? Are we supposed to just answer hard questions or does the knowledge we gain through the practice of philosophy progress us to lead a more virtuous and great life? And should we ought to do that? Hmm. Well, I think some parts of philosophy should do that and um, or concentrate on that. But again, there's... I think the the I I believe maybe the ultimate goal of it is just within your your temporal um, your is is an personal journey within your own temporality to understand why you're here and what your contribution is and um, and to have this be a and and to add to the goodness of the world so i guess it's i mean that in itself is a is a philosophical exercise um i think it you know what i would think it would be it's sort of like the uh hippocratic oath you but kind of my own words to do to first do no harm you know yeah (laughs) just you know make things better Mm -hmm. under try to understand things um it's very uh, and maybe even um, understand that as we're here and we're slices of temporality overlapping with each other, that um, we're not going to have all the answers. And and this this awareness of the hubris that so many people 
commit on a daily basis, I'm sure myself included, <laughs> you know, just to be, a, a, you know, maybe cautious of that, but to, to try to, to do good, to do good in the world. So. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, and I, I agree as well. All right. Last question. Um, what is a way that we can empower individuals to bring the philosophy that they've learned to their communities so that, you know, then we'd probably just be in a better situation for society because I'm, I'm, I guess I'm assuming a priori assumption that knowledge is good and progresses society. But yeah, I just want to hear about that. Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, well, I think education has to be a priority. Um, I think people knowing that philosophy is attainable and that it's not something you like, we're not, people are just sort of getting or masses of people are just sort of getting used to meditating or thinking about the benefits of that. Wouldn't it be great if there was, you know, along with the Calm app, there was the philosophy app. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, and people practice, did a little critical thinking exercises or broad, learn new terms or new ways of of discussing things or new ways of of arguments and um, just ways to just continually improve your mind. I, I don't even know the statistic, but I remember hearing something. We, we don't use a lot of our mind. Um, Absolutely. And we also probably don't use a lot of our day in a productive way. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, we're so distracted. Um, so I, somewhere maybe along the lines of mindfulness and, and, opening people up and, and letting them feel feel comfortable and excited to to engage in philosophy, knowing that this philosophy has a very broad umbrella of activities that come under it and it and it should be fun and it should have a, a good aim aim to it. So I would say creating dialogue around it interest introducing new concepts it has to be related to to the schools it should it should be it should be taught because it's um you know it's it's a wonderful it exercises a a great part of the brain yeah i i love that you know i i also i think we should be bringing philosophy to second graders (laughs) but you know i you know i think that we should be teaching these like you know thought about like you know, yeah, cognitive sophistication, looking at our own ends, what is true, things like that, and starting that from a very young age because um, it seems that you're almost too late in the game when people actually start employing that in schools, like later in high school or when you just start college. People are like, oh, it's too late in the game. Can't get in it. I can't really get into philosophy because I don't really know how to do it. And, you know, it's just intimidating. But, yeah, I I agree. Yes, if it's sort of broken down and they understand all the wonderful parts that that fall fall under philosophy and that you know the most important thing is that we're open to the first level of philosophy which is your your thinking and then you're talking you're sharing and, and you're listening so mm-hmm. um you know it's 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 all you know it's all good good things Yes. All right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Mom. Oh, my pleasure. I hope you have a great rest of the day. I know you're so busy. So, but, <laughs> but again, as busy as you are, you make time to put philosophy into your day. And that is a cool thing. And these weekly 
uh, reminders are really helpful. They're really helpful to me, and I appreciate it. So thank you. Mm, thank you. And uh, that's all I have for today's episode of Emmaism. Thank you for listening, and until next time, keep searching for the truth. Welcome back to Emmaism, a philosophy podcast for students of philosophy, because that really is what we all are, seekers of knowledge. Happy Friday, guys. It's finally time to philosophize again. Today, once again, I'm joined by my mother, Heidi Sonniger Jensen, and we are going to talk about bringing philosophy to the masses and how that can transform the way in which we go about life, connect with others, and stay true to ourselves. She's joining us um, from the phone. You know, she's in Boston, I'm in Philly, so quite a bit of distance, but luckily the phone can get us connected. Um, but I just really want to drive home before I dive into some questions that the mission of my podcast is, you know, in particular to enjoy, encourage the practice of philosophy to those who may not have the opportunity to philosophize otherwise. I'm a big proponent of the project of the uh, democratization of philosophy. As a discipline, it doesn't do the most charitable job of expanding its influence, especially in such a pre-professional aiming collegiate experience. What people don't know is that philosophy is one of the most beneficial pre-professional fields of study because it prepares its students with different skills that absolutely go to work in the workforce, like, you know, critical thinking, clear argument structure. Um, On top of that, the actual philosophy that's studied encourages good habits, development of character, and the striving for virtue. How can you not justify that these are useful professional development? These are the most useful and important skills. So bottom line is that I strive to make people who feel traditionally excluded from the practice of philosophical thought included. Accessibility is important, and I just want to bring philosophy to a new audience. So that being said, hi, Mom. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're helping out a busy podcaster this week. Yeah, you have a lot going on, but I'm excited. I'm always happy to talk about philosophy, and I'm a huge fan of yours. You know that. And you're listening to, yeah, to um, democratize philosophy and to bring it to the masses because I I do think people think it's it's too hard. There's too much going on. They don't really understand it. So um, the more that you can share with people and open their eyes and um, people will understand it's not something that that you have to commit to or, you know, enroll in a school and do all sorts of things that you can do a lot of self-study, personal work, and um, and it can be very simple. So I'm excited to talk to you about it. Yeah, absolutely. So my first question for you is how you've seen philosophy's role in society transform over the past several years, if at all, or how you've seen its, you know, scope grow in terms of societal implications? Okay, that's a great question that's going to take like a week to answer but um, (laughs) (laughs) i think um well the most obvious thing is we're living in a um once in a hundred year pandemic right um and i believe we've also in a bit of a it's an understatement to say a toxic political environment what i'd say is um what's happened to us is is we've become an either phenomenon is happening and i don't mean kierkegaard i mean that that philosophy can we've lost the ability to have civilized discourse to talk about ideas even if those ideas are different you know i have a lot to say about premises um when we just kind of had a little bit of fun 
scratching the surface of those, but we're a society that is that is now isolated. Um, hopefully, we're we're going to start to interact at a human level. We're getting our information culturally out of um, you know silos of of social media and such. So things are so it, things have changed. Philosophy and is always going to. Um, you know, it's it, history as history is unfolding and what's happening in in a culture, in a society, in the world. You're always going to see the ripple effects of it in philosophy and in thought. And I believe where we are now is a really tough place to be, which is why I'm excited about what you're doing because of this either or phenomenon. We're, we're people that that think if you don't believe what I'm believing, then you're you're a bad person and you think the opposite. Mm-hmm. It, so there's a lot of intolerance and anger that come from it. So, um, so the so the implications from that are really um, are really not good. And more than we need to be aware of that, and we need to practice um, practice the art of of sharing ideas with each other, listening to each other, and um, your the thing the videos you've offered the the podcasts that you've had on on different types of of arguments and and um, how to construct things is is very important for helping us do that in a productive manner. So. Oh, thank you. Um, well, you know about that question. I it's gotten me thinking. Um, I've done a few podcasts about this, but this notion of idea camps of how the absence of philosophy makes you um, outsource your agency and outsource your decision-making capabilities because you don't know how to philosophize. You don't know how to rationally reflect on your own ends because you don't, you're not used to it. So, you know, I think the role of philosophy is really to offer you, you know, freedom, therapy, and cosmological consciousness, as Pierre Hadot yeah. says, you know, and it is true. I just want to interrupt you when you're saying outsourcing it. That's really what's happening. People, mm-hmm. we need, we've lost so much education-wise over the past two, three years. Um, we need to get people to to think and to think critically, um, because if you if you're of the camp where you you outsource your ideas, or you, I think you you did something interesting on repost culture a while back um the unintended concept it, it, sometimes that's what what happens is is a, it could have a good outcome for sure but at time that also has the potential to have an unintended consequence which can have moral implications or it, bad things can happen so for people to be aware of what they're doing to think things through to make good choices and to make choices based on on um you know their the way they are, the information that they're getting to be open to things, but can also sometimes it doesn't you, doesn't mean you're going to end up changing your mind, but you're going to have have a, a, a good practice of how to use your mind, how to get information, how to collaborate, how to move things forward. So, so yes, so mm-hmm. I, I'm right there with you. All right. Um, so then, also my another follow up question is: How do you think philosophy could help society in navigating troubles? And then, like. What about the individual level? Like, what role does the practice of philosophy promise and play when executed in, with the best intent in mind? I know we just brushed upon that, but I kind of want to hit it on the nose. Hmm. Let's see. Yeah. Um, well, I know you, you love living philosophy and doing philosophy. And I think that right now we're all sort of alienated or we're out of practice with each other. So I think 
introducing philosophy or getting people to embrace it and know that that it's 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 a part of them and it's a it's a natural thing for a human being to question and to to gain to to look to gain knowledge and we say what are we doing here and and probably um you know when we say okay maybe i believe with philosophy it's the our, why we're here we're here to live a good life and then we say okay well what is the meaning of good and and what do you mean by a good life and um and should our natural state be that we are um we are living in goodness abundance love you know except i think philosophy can help us get there mm-hmm. it's also good when we're having problems or having difficulties which everyone has and, and a lot of people are having a lot of problems now um to know philosophically that time as as temporal beings in the historical continuum uh, as you always say that time it goes a long way to possibilities and that possibilities can help us solve these problems um and and really lead to hope but the important part is is dialogue so i think philosophy can help society in navigating troubles by encouraging discussion listening you have to be be a good listener you have to be you have to be teachable you have to have you have to be open if if philosophy and talking about it and all the different aspects of it can help us more as a society to say listen we are open to learning and for ourselves to be teachable and to be communicate and to be collaborative then that's only going to help um with the with the guide that we are here to live a good life quote unquote um and we are and maybe you would say the natural state should be one of love so i'm taking it a little bit further people might argue all sorts of different things but that's okay because the dialogue is the important part and then to get us away from that either or for here where someone says i like this or i disagree with you and then they throw you into a bucket and say oh then you're one of those or you're one of that or you're that means you're this or you're terrible without trying to understand or that they jump on the bus of of whatever everyone is trending on because they're afraid you know they they don't they don't know how to think so so i think it's it's only going to help us um in our ability maybe ultimately to solve problems and move everyone into toward that natural state of goodness abundance love collaboration and um you know what what we're here for yeah agreed i also think it's important to note that the you know it's just the pedagogy of philosophy it gives us these moral principles that are like with justification that are meant to be you know lived by so that's another important implication on the individual and societal level of you know philosophy but um that was good i i also want to know what ways do you think philosophy could be shared more effectively with the largest community possible do you think that would be like social media podcasting youtube news outlets um you know what would a successful philosophical outreach look like to you well i mean you you sort of think back to the marketplace of ideas which i think you're you know you we we sort of have that today but kind of have a like i want to say like not a great version of that because there these are you know the internet or reddit or youtube there's there's just there 
we're in, we are imperfect because we're temporal and because we're, we don't have the, you know, we make choices and some choices are bad. Some choices are good. So to, if you kind of ex- take that and bring it to a, a different level, you know, the, the, the place where we would look to, um, to bring philosophy to the to the masses or in the largest scale is probably not not ideal i would say you know it's going to be fallible whatever you do yeah but you're going to try you're going to try so the important things are the simplicity of of the messaging um i love the i love the 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 technology that's available there and i love the bits of sound bites that um that get people interested and the and the important thing I would say more than the vehicles because you certainly have limitless vehicles is to is for the message to be simple and for it to be accessible and for everyone to know that they can take part in it. That's yeah. the part. So it doesn't have to be. Um, I mean, the thing about philosophy is it can it can be tied into many different disciplines. Um, and it's still philosophy, you know, it can be tied to history. It can be tied to mathematics, to science, to morals, to, to, there's so, to business. There's just so much to law. There's, there's so much that can, to language that can come out of it, that, that if maybe a a mission would be to, um, to, to simplify it and, and invite people in so that they themselves can then take ownership of it and recognize that it is available it is for everyone mm-hmm. and then they can they can take it further further from that it's like it makes me think of you know what you've done in dance you know uh, you studied ballet for many 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 years and um you find at the end that dance belongs to everyone everyone yes. can do it everyone can 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 enjoy it and i think that i would love to see philosophy like that yeah, it, you know, the thing that you said about the sound bites kind of makes me laugh because it's it's always when I, I publish a podcast and I'm like, hey, do you want to know why, like, we love underdogs? Then everyone comes to see. But then I talk about, like, metaphysics and people are like, no, like, no, <laughs> I don't know about that. But, you know, it's all about, like, it being put in, I guess, like, yeah, a dialogue or um or I guess presentation that people are familiar with. People don't really know what metaethics are, or metaphysics, or epistemology, but people do know what you know. Like I'm just thinking of my old Augustine podcast of like, oh, why do we like underdogs? Uh, what about ice cream after a hot day? Like you know things like that that um, people like to hear about. Um, people want to hear about controversial things, so maybe that's one of the ways we can bring it to people and you know have a peaked interest. Um, and okay, two more questions for you. So I want to know, what would you say the goal of the field of philosophy is? Are we supposed to just answer hard questions or does the knowledge we gain through the practice of philosophy progress us to lead a more virtuous and great life? And should we ought to do that? Hmm. Well, I think some parts of philosophy should do that and um, or concentrate on that. But again, there's... I think the the I I believe maybe the ultimate goal of it is just within your your temporal um, your is is an personal journey within your own temporality to understand why you're here and what your contribution is and 
um, and to have this be a an end to add to the goodness of the world. So I guess it's I mean that in itself is a is a philosophical exercise. Um, I think it you know what I would think it would be it's sort of like the uh, Hippocratic oath. You, but kind of my own words to do to first do no harm you know yeah <laughs> Let's just you know make things better mm-hmm. under try to understand things um it's very uh, and maybe even um understand that as we're here and we're slices of temporality overlapping with each other that um we're not going to have all the answers and and this this awareness of the hubris that so many people commit on a daily basis i'm sure myself included <laughs> you know just to be a, a you know maybe cautious of that but to to try to to do good to do good in the world so. mm-hmm. that makes sense um and I, I agree as well all right last question um what is a way that we can empower individuals to bring the philosophy that they've learned to their communities so that you know then we'd probably just be in a better situation for society because I'm, I'm, I guess I'm assuming a priori assumption that knowledge is good and progresses society. But yeah, I just want to hear about that. Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, well, I think education has to be a priority. Um, I think people knowing that philosophy is attainable and that it's not something you like. We're not people are just sort of getting or masses of people are just sort of getting used to meditating or thinking about the benefits of that. Wouldn't it be great if there was, you know, along with the Calm app, there was the philosophy app. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, when people practice their little critical thinking exercises or broad learn new terms or new ways of of discussing things or new ways of of arguments and um, just ways to just continually improve your mind. I, I don't even know the statistic, but I remember hearing something. We, we don't use a lot of our mind. Um, Absolutely. And we also probably don't use a lot of our day in a productive way. I mm-hmm. mean, it's we're so distracted. Um, so I, somewhere maybe along the lines of mindfulness and and opening people up and, and letting them feel feel comfortable and excited to to engage in philosophy knowing that this philosophy has a very broad umbrella of activities that come under it and it and it should be fun and it should have a, a good aim aim to it so i would say creating dialogue around it interest introducing new concepts it has to be related to to the schools it should it should be it should be taught because it's um you know it's it's a wonderful it exercises a a great part of the brain yeah i i love that you know i i also i think we should be bringing philosophy to second graders (laughs) but you know i you know i think that we should be teaching these like you know thought about like you know yeah cognitive sophistication looking at our own ends what is true things like that and starting that from a very young age because um it seems that you're almost too late in the game when people actually start employing that in schools like later in high school or when you just start college people are like oh it's too late in the game can't get in it I can't really get into philosophy because I don't really know how to do it and you know it's just intimidating but yeah, yeah I, well, I agree. Why, yes, if it's sort of broken down and they understand 
all the wonderful parts that that fall fall under philosophy and that you know the most important thing is that we're open to the first level of philosophy which is your your thinking and then you're talking you're sharing and, and you're listening so mm-hmm. um you know it's 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 all you know it's all good good things yes all right thank you so much for being on the podcast today mom oh my pleasure i hope you have a great rest of the day i know you're so busy so but (laughs) but again as busy as you are you make time to put philosophy into your day and that is a cool thing and these weekly uh reminders are really helpful they're really helpful to me and i appreciate it so thank you thank you and uh that's all i have for today's episode of emmaism thank you for listening and until next time keep searching for the truth